Welcome back, everybody, to the Nosebleed Sports Podcast. I am Chris Witt, and with me, as always, is Mr. Adam Schmidt. Adam, how are you today, sir? Spectacular. How are you? Oh, my gosh. The Bengals are in the Super Bowl. We talked about this for a very little bit, very, very little bit last week, because we knew that our friend, the amazing, the debonair lead singer, the, the previously known as Locked On Bangles' greatest writer in the history of the website, uh, also known as one of the greatest, well, probably a Hall of Fame. I don't know if he's been inducted yet because I don't know if he's been out of it for long enough, but definitely a Hall of Fame Turkey Bowl football quarterback. Mr. Andre Edwards is here with us on the podcast to break down the Bengals in the Super Bowl. Unreal. Like, Almost as unreal as that introduction is just how unreal the idea is that the Bengals are at the Super Bowl. Like, I, I'm speechless, boys. Like, you know, I am not one who is often at loss for words, but I'm stunned. Like, absolutely stunned. And this has been a week that I've still, I've been processing it for a week, and I'm still, I'm still stunned. Monday last week, I drove to West Virginia after we beat the Chiefs for the second time this year. Which, in a month. No, second time in a month. In a month. <laughs> I'm on my way to West Virginia, and I, I think I told this story last week. I went through every emotion you can possibly go through on my three-hour drive. I laughed. I cried. I did, you know, uh, just just bring back Jimmy V and have Jimmy V do his whole speech and all of those things I did yeah. on yeah. my three hour drive. I can't even tell you it's it's it doesn't feel real to say it out loud. Yes, but brother, I got the merch, man. There's a yeah, there's a fifty six. I mean, it there. says it on there. Like I'm reading it, and I still don't believe. It. <laughs> oh, so we will get into. We're gonna get in. We're gonna break down. I don't. I don't we don't need to break down too much of that game. We're going to talk about the Bengals and the Rams. We're going to talk about – we're also going to talk about Brian Flores because we got into that for a half a second last week and we said we wanted to save it. Uh, I believe Adam – my favorite my favorite line I think I've ever heard in my life, and Adam, you might be able to pull your phone up and quote it better, uh, but I saw Adam last night uh, after we, my son had basketball practice after his – uh, high school team had practice and I saw him and uh, I asked him or, or, and I said, he said, are you, are you ready? You, you good to do the Brian Flores stuff? And I said, absolutely. I said, and then Adam, tell me what the, what the, what the quote was from Andre Edwards, probably my favorite quote oh, I've ever heard in my entire life. He can, he can probably tell you better than I can. I asked are him you, if he you, was uh, yeah. talking about that. <laughs> Andre, Andre, Adam Schmidt, Andre, Andre Schmidt, Adam Schmidt asked you, if you were comfortable talking about Brian Flores on the podcast, can you, can you please relay your answer to the world? I mean, one, I thought I was, I was super kind of you to even be thoughtful enough to ask me that question. Thank you. Um, secondly, my response was, uh, I'm a black dude in America. I know how this thing works. Are you comfortable talking about the black Flores thing? <laughs> the answer to that is, I'm not even sure. <laughs> exactly, Andre. The answer I'm to that question. I've been talking about it for 45 years. Are you okay with this conversation? Yes. We are. Yeah, we are. We are comfortable because it's you. We are definitely comfortable talking to you about this because we're 
we we yeah. love you and we've known you forever yeah. so it's uh, yeah i feel like i could talk to just about anybody about this because i think it's something i've talked about on this podcast before but we'll get to that later let's break down the Bengals to start all right let's talk about the cincinnati Bengals. the cincinnati Bengals are going to be playing the rams now before we get into anything i have one question for you andre Okay, And this has been going around. I've heard this on, on the radio a few times. And if you listen to Tony Pike or any of those guys. Give me the, give me the Super Bowl. Let's go. Give me <laughs> the chip, baby. I'm assuming your question is, do you want the Super Bowl or do you want Joe Burrow for the rest of his career? Give me the Super Bowl to, on Sunday. Give it to me now. Right now. That's all I want. I don't care. I don't care. Give me the yes. Super Bowl. Yes. And the reason why 100%. I say that. The reason why I say that is the counter argument is, well, Andre didn't, you know, if you lose this time, then you get Joe Burrow for the next 10 or 15 years. And then I immediately go to, yeah, what did all those folks who were like, give me Dan Marino for the next 10 or 15 years, Hall of Fame quarterback, went to the Super Bowl in his second year and never went back. I wrote a list of them down. Dan Marino, Jim Kelly, Phillip Rivers, Warren Moon, Fran Tarkenton, Dan Fouts, Mike Vick. Donovan McNabb, Rich Gannon, uh, uh, Randall Cunningham, Steve McNair, all insane quarterbacks. How many chips they got? Goose and I mean, let's look at let's look at today's like the next coming of the greatest quarterback ever, Mr. Patrick Mahomes. Right. I mean, like, hands down, you're not going to find very many people who are like he's he might be the third best quarterback in the league. Like everybody's like Patrick Mahomes is it. The man has hosted four straight consecutive AFC championship games. How many chips does he have? No. So just the one. You, that's one for a dude that everybody feels is the second coming of whoever, and he's got one. I've been waiting 33 years to watch my team play again in the Super Bowl. No, give me the championship on Sunday. If you're telling, if you're guaranteeing me that I can walk away on Sunday with that championship, cool. And then I still got three more years of Burroughs rookie contract to figure out if we can win another one. Fine. I don't care. I mean, all right. I, all right. That was an easy one, right? Adam, you take the Super Bowl or you take Joe Burrow for the rest of his career? Super Bowl. Or did we talk you into the answer? Okay. No, yeah. Yeah. Super Bowl. It's, it's been 30, 30 whatever years. It's, and, and you're right. Might might not happen again. Even as great as Joe Burrow is, it might not happen again. Correct. Like I'm not taking so, I'm so, not taking chances on on injuries. I'm not taking chances on contracts. I'm not taking chances on. I don't know. There could be a natural disaster on the one Super Bowl we're about to win, and then everything just goes to pieces. And no, I'm not doing it. You guarantee mm-hmm. me one. I'm in. I will have Cincinnati Bengals Super Bowl champion. Super Bowl champions garb that no one can ever take away from me. Correct. I don't have any of that right now. I don't. Correct. Nobody does. Yep. I mean, some little person in in also Venezuela true. or something might have a 1988 Super Bowl, maybe uh, Bengals Super Bowl shirt, but that's about maybe. it. That's um, it. All right. So then let's move. Let's let's talk about the actual game. <sighs> Bengals offensive line has been talked about a lot now. But before I see your eye, because I got I got my things I want to say about it, too. I'm done hearing about it. I'm done hearing about it. I'm going to put this out there right now for everybody listening. 
wild card, wild card uh, games. Bengals, Joe Burrow was sacked twice. One, two, three, four, five different teams gave up more sacks than the Bengals did. Five, five of the eight teams, five of the two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve teams gave up more sacks than the Bengals. And three teams gave up the same amount of sacks. Two. Last week, AFC Championship week against a, a really good Kansas City team. One. Burrow was sacked once. One time. I know what happened against Tennessee. We all witnessed it. Burrow knows what happened against Tennessee. And if you ask him, he'll probably tell you that about three or four of those might have been on him anyway. So that being said, I am sick and tired of hearing about this offensive line. Now, I'm still scared of that Rams defensive front because Aaron Donald's on there. But who are you more scared of? Andre Edwards. Are you more scared of Jalen Ramsey taking away a receiver like a, like a Jamar Chase without having to double team him, therefore having more guys in the backfield, uh, not leaving that T. Higgins slant as wide open as it's been because you're not getting double teamed? Or are you more scared of Aaron Donald on the line? Aaron Donald is the best player that I've ever watched play football, period. Hands down, without question. Aaron Donald completely and totally wrecks games. Even the best cover corners, I mean, think back to the days of like Rebus Island, even the best cover corners get burned on occasion. Hell, just last week, Jalen Ramsey got burned for a touchdown in the San Francisco game. Those things happen. But if you can get consistent pressure right up the middle to where you're not coming off an edge and chipping with the back or chipping with the tight end, you're coming right up the middle where unfortunately for the Bengals, that is the weakest point of their, of their offensive line. So much so they are rotating right guards uh, at the moment. <laughs> that, that scares me. There is, I, there is zero question. And I hear you on the, um, you know, adjustments that were made between the Tennessee game and the, and the Kansas City game. And I, and I appreciate those. The one thing I will say about this, this is probably from a matchup standpoint, the biggest mismatch of any two pieces of football team. So the strength versus a weakness, like this is massive. I'm talking, you got Von Miller, who's a Hall of Famer. You've got Aaron Donald, who's a Hall of Famer, and they still have other pieces that also can get to the quarterback, mostly when you decide to put three dudes on Aaron Donald. So that piece of things really concerns me, especially when you pair it with how the Bengals most like to play, which is five wide, right? So that means you got five dudes blocking and a quarterback, that's six, and you got five wides, which gives you 11. That means a lot of one-on-one -on -one blockings and or a lot of free runners. And Joe's got to get the ball out quick because we're putting, again, two dudes on Von Miller or two dudes on Aaron Donald, whatever that takes. So you're either doing that or you're going to six and seven man protections, which then only leaves three or four dudes out in a route. And they've got seven dudes in coverage. I mean, that's that's tough and that's good. That's going to be tough. And that's where you got to figure out what the balance to that is. But I, no, I'm not scared of a cornerback and who he might take away because for the Bengals, I think one of the strengths of their team 
is the fact that they are multiple. They can go to Chase, they can go to Higgins, they can go to Boyd, they can go to potentially and hopefully Uzama, they can go to Mixon. I mean, there are, there are a lot more other options and I believe Burrow will find the open receiver and make that play happen as long as he has enough time to be able to do that. So total, is this by far the best defense that they will have faced? Um, I think it has, the, it has the potential to be the most disruptive. I don't know if it's the best. I would say probably st- statistically, it probably is the best. I, um, but they can be scored upon, which is a good thing. Um, but I think I, – I can't remember what the uh, – I was going to say how many how many points per game they've given up uh, in the playoffs. But um, – It's not much. That, uh, yeah, that is, that is game, but, um, but, yeah, they're not – they don't allow a ton of points. I think they were maybe number one in the league and run rush defense this year. Um, so, I mean, yeah, they're, they're pretty stout. Um, and again, it's the biggest strength versus our biggest weakness. So is it going to be dinking and dunking down the field screen passes and just little quick, quick outs to make sure he gets the ball out of his hands and, and pick up four yards at a time, hopefully, uh, or and and then get within field goal range and have Evan McPherson kick six field goals, or I, I mean, are you think I mean going I think you win? Able to do anything you, besides that? I think you win any way that you can, and that you can't change who you are, you know, at, at, at your core. And at your core, Joe Burrow is at his best in five wide. And so I think you pick and choose when you take your shots, right? I think you're constantly on the lookout as your offensive coordinator who's sitting up in the booth. Every time Aaron Donald goes off the field, we're taking a shot. Like, let, let, we got to go. We have to do this, right? Um, and I think you pick, and, you pick and choose where you do what you do. Uh, if you go back and look at the, the tape last week of the Kansas City game, everybody was all upset because the Bengals kept running on first down and it didn't seem to be very effective. But what that did was slow down that Kansas city pass rush. And so it kept them honest and kept them even, even though it was only, you know, two yards, three yards at a time, it kept them honest. It kept them from just teeing off and coming after Burrow. And I think, you know, that's what, that's what the Bengals are going to have to do. They're going to have to find a way to at least make the run game decoy eligible so that, all right, we will at least respect the run game enough to have, they usually run five defensive linemen for whatever reason. I'm not sure why they do that, but, um, and if you can keep them in that five defensive linemen and then go spread, now we can do something. I like it. I like it. I mean, all right. What's the biggest key factor of the game? Who is the key biggest key factor outside of Aaron Donald uh, and outside of Joe Burrow, right? So Joe Burrow is the key factor. We'll put Joe Burrow as, you know, the main piece on on uh for the Bengals we'll put Aaron Donald as a main piece uh on defense but but from there what is the key factor in this game so because we chose one from 
either side on this one. I'll I'll choose one from either side on the Even back. piece. So one will be Cooper Cup for LA. I mean, he won the triple crown of wide receivers. So most receptions, most yards, and most touchdowns by a receiver in in a season. Like dude's just un unreal. Um, and the way he runs routes is really really fun to watch uh, when you don't have to play against him. But and I think on the opposite end of that spectrum for the Bengals, I think it's going to be Trey Hendrickson. How do you can you get consistent pressure on Matt Stafford? Because we've seen whether he was with Detroit or whether he's been with LA, if you can get Matt Stafford rattled, he will absolutely throw you one or two one or two picks, one at least one or two pickable opportunities right you got to catch him mr tart from san francisco like if he throws you a lollipop you got to catch it but um you know but he will absolutely throw up one two maybe three opportunities for you to turn him over now if you don't get that pressure on him he will absolutely pick you apart let me ask you this because this is what i think the biggest key is I think Zach Taylor is the key factor in this. Zach Taylor sat in on every coach's meeting that the Rams had last time they were in the Super Bowl. Zach Taylor knows every little nuance of of Sean McVay and, and what his tendencies are. I know that obviously these teams change consistently every year, but everybody's got the same slight tendencies as a coach, especially just three years later, four years later. Is it, is it not, is that, can it, it can that not be something huge that the Bengals had? I, I haven't heard too many people talk about it, but I don't know. If, is that I don't know something if it will that be. he's in there talking to the defense? Like, Hey, you see this, it, this is going to happen. I don't know if it's huge because if I'm Sean McVay, like I know what Zach knows, right? I know what he's going to be looking for. So, I mean, just as easily as I know that, hey, every time we come out with this wide receiver, this particular wide receiver in this particular spot, I usually run a jet sweep. This time we're not going to run a jet sweep. We're going to do something else. And because I know Zach is expecting me to do that. Right. So it can it can be to an extent an advantage because, hey, I got some general ideas of what he did. But like that was Jared Goff. This is Matt Stafford. You know. Uh, Cooper Cup wasn't yeah. nearly the weapon that he is now. They added OBJ. Like, I mean, there's there are some significant changes that while you may see some things, I don't know how how big of an advantage that would be necessarily. If, if we're throwing the if we're throwing the two together, yes, more of an advantage from that goes to uh, Zach Taylor because he has been around Sean as a head coach versus Sean has not had the opportunity to be around Zach as a head coach. So if you're looking for any little bit of uh, advantage in that, I would say advantage Zach, but I wouldn't put too much stock in it. Wide receivers not playing in this game. Who do you feel worse for, Robert Woods or A.J. Green? Good question. I mean, I know the answer <laughs> that Andre's gonna say. <laughs> Look, man, I I don't know, man. Look, I feel bad for Robert Woods, and the reason why I say that is because AJ Green quit. That's what I say. AJ Green quit, and if you quit, I got I, I will always have love for 
AJ Green as a player in the time that he spent here, right? Like he was awesome. He was great. He was wonderful. Joe Burrow's first year could have been a whole heck of a lot better had AJ Green not quit. And he quit on that team. And I just can't, I can't get behind that, man. I just can't. I agree. I agree. Um, speaking of AJ Green, uh, AJ Green, you got guys like Chris Collinsworth. You got guys like, well, not as much Chris Collinsworth, but um, Chad Johnson. Um, we've had a, we've had some really Carl Pickens. Uh, we've had some really good wide receivers over the past however many years. Um, Chris Collinsworth, when Jamar Chase was drafted, went uh, was quoted as saying he'll be the best wide receiver that the Bengals will ever have. And a week ago said, I don't take back anything I said. I think he's already the best wide receiver that I've ever seen in a Bengals uniform. That being said, how much of that is Joe Burrow and how much of that is Jamar Chase? I don't know. Did you see uh, Jamar Chase versus uh, Baltimore on that 82-yard <laughs> touchdown? Where it was, was like, all Jamar Chase. here, let me throw you a 12-yard slant. <laughs> <laughs> Pirouetted around in a circle, th- dropped four dudes and ran, you know, for a touchdown. Or, hey, let me hit you uh, versus Kansas City in the first game on this 12-yard hitch, and you just back it back and run another 60 yards for a touchdown. I mean, I think I think they are very complementary to one another. Uh, they They – all the back shoulder throws where it's just pure timing and there's nothing a cornerback can do. And, you know, all of those things, man, it, it comes from, as, as Burrow would say, it comes from thousands of, they've done this thousands of times, which sounds insane, but it's so true. Right. I mean, you had two seasons together while the first season wasn't as memorable at at LSU, you had two seasons together at, at LSU and now you got a full season together in the NFL. I mean, there is potential for thousands of balls to have been thrown between the two of them. And you just, you just feel it. You just know. And, you know, to, to put up the stats that he's put up this year is just absolutely unreal. Unreal. Um, You know, I thought, I thought Justin Jefferson last year, I was thinking, Wow, we gave all that praise to Chase in college. Maybe Justin Jefferson was the was the better of the two, like coming yeah. out. And then I'll be danged if you know Chase doesn't come out the next year and 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 kill those numbers. Like, man, good lord, this is insane. Yeah. And you get the feeling from probably both of those guys, but definitely from Burrow, just by the way he talks, and you hear more from Burrow because he's asked more questions. But um, you get the feeling, at least I get the feeling that he's going to make sure those they work out together a lot in the off season and, and get thousands more this season, even going to the Super Bowl, even if they win the Super Bowl, you get that feeling like those guys are going to be, are, are going to get after it in the off season to make sure they stay that way. It feels, it feels Peyton Manning, Marvin Harrison, like, you know, um, yep. that, that's what it feels like to me of like, we are in lockstep, all the time and we are going to they both have this ego and not in a bad way but they both have this ego about them that they want to be the best and not just like i don't want to be the best this season like i want to be the best period i'm coming in to break all the records are you sure you want to say that yes i'm coming in to break all the records 
all of them. Joe Burrow is sure about everything he says. <laughs> yes. Well, now Jamar Chase, Jamar Chase is about to break all of the records all within of his first three years. Like, <laughs> so, let's go. <clears throat> oh, man. I, I don't even know exactly where to go from here because I, I cannot stop. Why does this keep going off? I don't know. But uh, anyway, How about this? I cannot How about stop this? I have a, being I have a question for this. you guys. Okay, let's go. Is today, is Joe Burrow a top five quarterback? In the NFL today, with Brady retiring, is Joe Burrow top five quarterback in the NFL? Okay, well, let's go through it then. All right, let's do this. Let's go through it. So you've got um, you've got um, Aaron Rodgers. Yep. You've you've got um, you've got Patrick, uh, Patrick Mahomes. Yep. Um, now, from there, let's take a step back and think who we can honestly say is better. Because let's be honest, I mean. It's not like that Tennessee game. Joe Burrow went out there and won the game, right? Nope. I mean, it was nineteen to sixteen or whatever it was. Correct. Um, but let's 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 figure but he it didn't, out. But so, he didn't lose the game either, which a lot of quarterbacks who would have gotten sacked nine times would have lost that game. Sure, there'd probably been at least two fumbles involved in those nine sacks. Maybe, but maybe. But I'm right. just saying that that the the stat the the stat there is no. He is the first quarterback to win a playoff game having been sacked more than seven times. Yes, and so, I would love to see what the numbers are of any NFL game when a quarterback too, is sacked right? yeah, nine absolutely. times. I keep absolutely. hearing that NFL number or the playoff number, but I'd love to hear what the actual number is yeah. ever. Correct. Um, that being said, I you know, at this point in time, maybe it's just because we just saw all this stuff, but there's no more Brady. Nope. Breeze is gone. Yep. Manning's gone. Uh, why would you not? You've got Justin Herbert. You can't tell me that Joe Burrow is not just as good as Justin Herbert. I put those – Justin Herbert is a fantastic quarterback. Josh Allen is a fantastic quarterback. But you can't tell me that he's any – I'm not saying that Burrow is hands down better, but uh, you can't tell me no, but I'm, that, but you that gotta, either but of them no, are I don't, want, I don't want equivalent. I want to know who – is he a top five quarterback? So who's better? Well, I, at this point in time, we've got two guys two. that I that, – All right, that so I'm gonna, let, me, two, let me throw some names at so, you. What about Russell Wilson? Russell Wilson, only because if you say right now, right yeah, now, sure, right now I put Joe like let's say everybody let's say let's say everybody's healthy, right? So we're not factoring in injuries and like let's say everybody's healthy today, yeah. right now. Russell Wilson over Joe Burrow. Russell Wilson's tough just because he's got such a body of work, and and like you said, he was not healthy last year. Um, so I mean, you got, I, I put Russell Wilson above Joe Burrow because okay. he does because he earned it. He's earned it. Adam, what do you say? Would you put Russell Wilson above Joe Burrow? I don't know if I'd put him above. Maybe it's maybe it's a recency bias thing, but I don't know the way Joe Burrow's played. And then it's and it's it is hard to compare because this year is so fresh. Uh, but I I don't know, man. That's tough. I how about a how about a healthy Lamar Jackson? Yeah, I think he's better than a healthy Lamar Jackson. Only oh, Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson, previous league MVP. Don't forget uh, that. That's how I stopped myself. Um, and, both and of it, those, see, once again, here's my problem. And just what Adam said, here's my problem. I hate people. I hate recency bias. I hate people who watch one football game yeah. and then all of a sudden that's the best team in the yeah. NFL that week. Sure. I, sure. I can't stand that. Sure. So this is not easy to do. No, it's not. Because these other people have earned the name of what they have, but and, and you've but seen them. And that you've being seen said, them perform. 
and you've seen him perform. But that being said, we've seen Joe Burrow perform. Absolutely. We've seen Joe Burrow, not just in the NFL, but in the biggest stage at Alabama in an SEC championship game, in two playoff games and a national championship game in the, in, in the NCAA, which is probably just as big of a game as he'll ever play outside right. of the Super Bowl. Right. In Kansas City, which isn't as big a deal as people make it out to be, apparently, because they're like 50% over however, whatever the last few years is. But in Kansas City, he comes through. It, yeah, yeah. I mean, you you can't not take that recency bias out of it because he has not not performed. Yeah, when he's had the opportunity. I'm gonna put. Uh, I'm gonna go Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna put him. I'm gonna put Lamar Jackson above him, and I'm gonna put Joe Burrow as four, and then I'm gonna put uh, Russell Wilson as three, and then I'm gonna go Josh Allen. And then I'm going to go Justin Herbert. And that is no knock on either of those guys. So I put Joe fourth. I put Joe top five. Adam? You had him at four? Yes. I put Lamar above him, Russell below him. Man, Josh Allen keeps crossing my mind. Yeah. Josh Allen's is a bad man. He's a bad what do we think of Kyler Murray? Man. Just throwing that name out there. You know, Kyler Murray gets me gets on my nerve. Right now, I'm upset with Kyler Murray because I don't I don't agree with the way he's doing things. I don't agree with the way yeah. he's doing things. Yeah, he's very he's he's taking take that off the, take that off the field. Nope. We're purely going. No, play I, I put Joe Burrow. No, I put Joe Burrow above Kyler Murray. Not by much. I put Kyler Murray. I mean, Kyler Murray is as good as. Yes. A lot of these guys. There's Zach a lot of really good Again, like this is not an and I, and I throw these names out there to to say it's just not. I'm not saying Dak Prescott is better than Joe Burrow. I'm just saying no. there are there are a handful of really good quarterbacks that make you stop and think and go, hmm. We all want a top five quarterback, right? We all do. Every any every team wants. Hey, I have a top five quarterback. Is he a top five quarterback today? I'm not saying he won't be. I'm not saying that things don't change. And, you know, next year he's with an offensive line. He's the greatest thing since sliced bread. Today, after what you've seen from him for a year and a half, would you put him in the top five of all 32 teams? That'd be hard to take. It'd be hard to make a make a make an argument for him not to be right now. That's what I was going to say. I this this drive. I drive Chris crazy with this stuff all the time because I can't really commit to anything. But three or four through eight, they're so close. It's yep. hard. You can make an argument for every single one of those guys to be a top five quarterback. Yep. So it, it's I I yeah I, I say yes, but it but you can convince me that somebody yeah. else is right now better because Joe Burrow's played a year and a half in the NFL. Right. Boys, do you know who we didn't say? Matt Stafford. Yeah. No. Absolutely not. Who, by the way. By no. the way. Top ten quarterback easily in the NFL. Oh yeah, I mean, like, dude's Hall of Famer. So top like, ten, but definitely and, and not especially top if five. he wins the Super Bowl. If he wins the Super Bowl on Sunday, Hall of Famer. Yep. But you look at his total stats all, all for his for his career 50, right now. Thousand yard passer. Like, give him five Eight. more years. Yeah. Yep. He's thirty four. Yeah. 
but you're saying not top five right now. And not, I mean, would you put him in your top five right now? Throws too many picks, too many picks, and too many big situations. I think I think you know who led the NFL in picks this year. (laughs) For most, that was my other one. I was going to yes, not most of the year, all of the is. That is a so so Andre, give us is Joe Burrow a top five quarterback to you? I'm gonna say yes, but he's probably number five. Uh, so you're so, putting Russell up above him, or are you putting so Josh I'm Allen not, up? I'm not. I'm putting uh, our. So you got your top two, and then I'm putting uh, Josh Allen, the healthy Lamar Jackson. I the healthy think, Lamar Jackson has I just done has good. has proven he can throw the ball from the pocket now, and that makes and him he is so freaking dynamic, man. Like when he's healthy, I mean, like good God, good God, insane. Insane. He's just take so Mike Vick, hard to stop. Take Mike Vick like elusiveness at Mike Vick's peak and put it with uh, uh, Brett Favre's uh, um, arm speed, like the with 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 the cannon. And he had at one point in time last year, maybe maybe it was at the end of the year, he had the highest percentage of completed passes on balls overthrown over thirty yards down the field. And they say he's not a, a pocket quarterback. Yeah, a pocket passer. I mean, come on, man, that's insane. Look, I, look here, you're telling me I got to roll with Lamar Jackson and he's healthy. I'm like, let's go. I'll figure it out. We'll would you figure it out? Would you trade Joe Burrow for Lamar Jackson right now? Absolutely no. not. No chance. No. Lamar Jackson and, 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 and the reason his head's but, popping, and there's too much of a chance he can get hurt. Yes, that that's that's my issue. Is the because one of his superpowers is his legs, you just, you get heel, ankle, knee. I mean, there's just way too many things that could go wrong. How you destroy, you destroy his knee the way that they destroyed Burroughs knee last year. And he may not be the same person. You know what I mean? Sure. Look at uh, what's his name? RG three. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's basically perfect, what happened to him. Perfect example. Yes. I mean, he, he was on pace to be, he was rookie of the year. He was on pace mm-hmm. to be the same player. And Injury takes you out of everything. When that is, like you said, your superpower. I totally agree with that. Um, all right, so Joe Burrow is the most sacked quarterback in the NFL. Matt Stafford is the um, most quarterback who has thrown the most interceptions in yeah. the NFL. Uh, in the end, what is most important – or, no, sorry, what is more detrimental to a team? Interceptions. Obviously, right? Turnovers. Yeah. You can't turn it's all Because it's all about possessing the ball, right? Like anytime, anytime you turn the ball over, that's one less opportunity for you to score and one more opportunity for your opponent to score. You can case in point being that sacks are less important. I'm not saying they're not important, but less important is the fact that two weeks ago, Joe Burrow won a game after being sacked nine times. Let Matt Matt Stafford throw nine interceptions on Sunday and see what the score is. Yeah, 100%. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Let him throw too. I, I mean, it's so like if you look at that San Francisco game, he should have thrown three oh, yeah. interceptions. Yes. yes. Uh, and and you're gonna so this is gonna come down to an Eli Apple, to a Jesse Bates, to a Von Bell, to these guys that when you get an opportunity, you yeah. can't Eli Apple it and let it hit your hands and fly off. You've got yep. to take advantage of every single mispass. Have to. I mean, it's it's the it's the San Francisco game versus Jimmy G, where Jesse Bates dropped the interception and they went down and scored, and the game's over, right? I mean, that yes. was the ball game. Everybody talked all week long 
about Jimmy G will throw you one. He will absolutely throw you one. It is coming. It is coming. It is coming. We went to overtime, and I'll be daggone if there it was right there. Pick six. I'm talking nobody Dude. in front of him. Nobody. Game. Everybody go home. Who was it in overtime last week that or two weeks ago or whatever? Like first or second play, I want to say in overtime, somebody dropped one for the Bengals, didn't they? No, um, Eli Apple dropped the one in Kansas City. Yeah, it was, it was yeah, Eli it was Apple. Not, Eli City. Apple That's what I was saying. Yeah. On the, on the oh, uh, okay. ball, hit yeah. him in the hands. He missed it. And then the very next play, he went deep and Jesse Bates and Von Bell tipped the ball, tip drill for interception. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. By the way, Von Bell didn't even know he caught that ball. No. He just ended no, up no, in pure reaction. Landed pure reaction. Hand. Just it yes. he wasn't even a reaction. His hands were just there. The ball landed just like, there. Oh, and, oh okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fully uh, agree. And, and half of the way, catches in the turkey bowl were that way. <laughs> <laughs> I do got one for you though, Andre. We will I do want to go back to that game. Um a key play in that game was in overtime, Bengals get the ball back after the interception. And as they're moving the ball down the field, um, Joe Mixon is running and trips over his own man. And as he's getting up, throws the ball down, runs back to the huddle. Whistle is not blown. And if you listen, I've re-listened to this play like 15 times. There's no whistle blown until right before uh, who I don't can't remember who it was no, on Kansas City yeah. goes to pick it up. Pick it, it up. was right yeah. before that was picked up. Would you consider that in 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 complete and total honesty? Yeah. If you're a referee and you see how it would happen on that play, did he give himself up? Yes. I hundred percent agree, and I yeah. said it at the time the play happened. Yes. Like there is, <clears throat> there is zero reason for Joe Mixon to to let go of that football, right? I mean, like, he's, he, he got pushed, he falls over, gets up, drops the ball, starts walking away. I mean, all of the, the – key you to take is, into consideration, like, your, the context clues of yes. what's going on, right? It wasn't he dropped it and immediately it was like, oh, crap, and tried to dive back on the ball or – like none of that. It was like, eh, yeah, cool, let's go – Nah. And it's not like when you're running for a touchdown and you start celebrating too early and you drop the ball as you're running Correct. in the end zone. You're still up. Nobody's touched you. You've never touched the ground. He Correct. went to the ground. He yep. went to the ground. Yep. And as he was getting up, dropped the football, rolled over, dropped the football, ran back to the huddle. Yeah. Yeah. I would have. But tell me that's not a play that in Cincinnati history comes back to bite them in the ass on a normal oh, basis. I mean, come on, man. The the Eli Apple drop is one that comes back and bites yeah. him, right? I mean, and under normal Bengal non-Joe Burrow years, that would be we're about to go, we're about to go. Eli drops it, and the next pass goes to the cheetah who grabs it over two defenders, splits them both, runs in for a touchdown, and the game's over. Mm-hmm. That's Bengals life typically. Yep. One of one of the ingredients, people talk about it all the time. One of the ingredients to every single championship team is luck. Absolutely. You have to have luck. And I would I would consider that one of the things that one of the pieces of luck that the Bengals have had throughout the, through the playoffs. Yeah. And I, I mean it's, it's, and 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 even if LA wins on Sunday, they'll go back to the San Francisco game and look at the two or three interceptions that Matt Stafford absolutely threw and that and that San Francisco just didn't catch. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't even like 
jump ball type of scenario where it's a 50-50 ball and nobody came down with it, dude damn near just handed him the ball and he just dropped it. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, you need a, you, you definitely need a little bit of luck. There's nothing wrong with it. That's for sure. Nope. Nothing wrong with it. Okay. So, so before we, before you give a score, all right, because we're going to ask you that. Before you give a score, okay. who is the Super Bowl MVP? Which is going to probably kind of give away who you say is going to win, but. Well, or, or, or you can do, or you can do score first. You can do score first and then MVP. 16 to 12. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> well, you make a, you make a lot of money. 16 to 12. Yeah. Nine Never of money that way. <laughs> um, you know what? I'm going to go, I'm going to go 27, 23. Good guys. And I'm going to say, It's probably pretty easy. I, you know what? I'm going to go against the convention here. And I'm going to say MVP is Tyler Boyd. Ooh. And the reason why I say that, here's my reasoning behind Tyler Boyd. Yes, it's easy to say Joe Burrow. And if it's if it's Joe Burrow, fine. It is what it is, right? Or if it's Evan McPherson because he kicked 17,000 field goals, fine. I'm trying to give you something a little bit different, but with rationale. So the rationale behind this is, all right, let's say they take Jalen Ramsey and stick him on T. Higgins, and let's say they double-team Jamar Chase. That means Tyler Boyd has got to be kicking his dude's butt in order to get open. And if you go back and watch film, which I've had the opportunity to do, like watch the all-22s, Tyler Boyd is open often. Joe Burrow doesn't go to him often, but Tyler Boyd is open often. And – if there's an opportunity or if there's one time that you can do things that you don't normally do to throw off the other team, it's the Super Bowl. Like we got it all, <clears throat> all bets are off. Let's go, you know, open. You open got something up your up sleeve. There's no get, point in saving right? it. Don't yeah, save correct. it. This let's is go. all that's left. So Tyler Boyd goes for, you know, seven catches for a buck 22 Ooh. and two tutties that's I mean, dope i love that so i was just going to say if you're going to choose tyler board then you're you're thinking that he's going to have he's going to have over five catches yeah because you if you're as a wide receiver you can't just catch the game winning touchdown and nah. be the be the super Bowl mvp nah. that goes to that's going to go to the quarterback um but if that's the case then yeah i i, I don't know man i i and again, if he has if he has one twenty two and two touchdowns, that means Burrow threw two touchdowns, and it'll probably go to Burrow. So I want to be very clear that if if we're talking stereotypical, hey, who do you think is going to win MVP? Nine times out of ten, if the Rams win, it's going to be Stafford. If the Bengals win, it's going to be Burrow. But go a little different, and then give you some rationale behind why. I absolutely love it. I just love the fact. It's the it's the it's the opportunity for you to give us one extra little thing, right? Give us yeah. one more little tidbit, right? Yeah. Break down one more little piece for us. Let us know why Tyler Boyd is going to be the 
one of the X factors in this game. I love that. I love that. I I need to subscribe to that all 22 thing, man. Everybody I know that watches that, me and Adam were talking about it last week a little bit. It's pretty cool, man, to just be able to zoom in and like see what you want to see and like, oh, that's why this went this way or this like, oh, or or half the time the the shot that you see in the screen and you're screaming at Eli Apple because he didn't cover whoever, but then you realize like Jesse Bates fell down and that was supposed to be his due, but you never saw him because yep. he was off screen, right? Uh, yep. Those are the type of things that I like to watch on Ultimate. And, and by the way, credit to Tyler Boyd. If he's open like that, that much, a lot of wide receivers, when they're that open and then there's an incomplete pass or an interception thrown Would be and they're pissed. like, yeah, not even if it's not their way, it's to somebody else or whatever. They're like, come on, I'm, I'm yep. working my butt off. I'm getting open all the time here. You're not even giving me opportunities. Credit to Tyler Boyd for not, not making a big thing about that, being a good teammate. Boyd's uh, never been that way. I don't think, I don't, I, I don't think he'll, I, that's not the way he is. No, I, I, no. Um, anyway, go. What were you gonna say, Adam? I was gonna, Chris, ask you what your prediction is for this scoring, scoring MVP. <laughs> Somebody sent me something that did the Simpsons do something where they said the Bengals would win the Super Bowl like 20 years ago or something. 34 anyway, 31 is what the what the meme is. That's but what it was. If you that's look, not like real, Homer right? is a Bengals, Homer is a Bengals fan, but the screen cap is actually. I think it's the Bengals versus the Dolphins is what the actual cartoon was. They take the white off of the Dolphin. Yeah, yeah. All right, all right. So I did see. So that was a real thing that happened. I'm not going 34-31, but I am going to say that it's three point game. You can't. I can't. You, there's there's no part of me that doesn't believe that Evan McPherson doesn't have something to do with the end of this game or a kicker doesn't have something to do with the end of this game. That kid has been involved in so many things and is as clutch as they come. Um, I, so do, I, will, I will throw this out. The apparently SoFi Stadium uh, is a fantastic place for kickers. Like, Yeah, and it's like, going to be like 75 it, degrees or something. Yeah, 75 degrees in the building, uh, no breeze, and apparently like – People have watched kickers kick 58 yards. It would have been good from 65. So just know that kickers may have a pretty good day. That's another thing that I was listening to uh, this morning with Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. They were talking about different different prop bets, and one of them was, will there be a a field goal made over 50 yards? And – Keyshawn said no. Everybody else said yes because Evan McPherson's involved. But Keyshawn said no, and he said, this is the Super Bowl. You Possessions mean too much. If you're kicking a 50-yard field goal, you're in a position where fourth down, going forward on fourth down, wouldn't be a bad idea. Now, that's saying – I don't know, man. Fourth and the short. Man. I'm saying if Evan McPherson is my kicker, I'm taking those three points right now and let's Thanks go Drake. play defense. Especially with the way this defense has played in the second half of games. This defense has been really, really good. We we can't drop – we can't go into what happened against Kansas City, though. We cannot let them score 21 points in the first half. That's that's what I said before the Kansas City game. Because I I watched that play out three weeks before, and I said they cannot let Patrick Mahomes run out to a 14 – you know, 17 point lead. Like they can't have, they can't do that. 
and I'll be darned if they didn't do it even worse than what they did the first time because the first time it was just four it was 14 points three times this time they went down 18 and still came back and won so as much as I want to say yes you are 100% right you can't do that I mean maybe yeah I guess and and, it's not ideal (laughs) no obviously but um there, oh, did I write this down? Baldy's breakdown apparently does, takes that all 22 and he breaks down every game every week. And uh, watching him on this, and oh, I did watch a little bit of that um, on the all 22 of the Kansas City game. And once again, it comes down to something that we never had with Marvin Lewis, half-time which is halftime adjustments. If we're losing in halftime with Marvin Lewis, we lost the game. If we're right. winning at halftime with Marvin Lewis, Mar- margin, Marvin Lewis, we won. Marginal Lewis. Marginal <laughs> Lewis. And, and I love and, – and listen, I, Marvin Lewis was was a good coach. Marvin yeah. Lewis did everything he could with the Bengals. Yeah. They were at a point probably three years before he yeah. actually left that they probably needed to move on to the next step. Um, not because of he did anything wrong, but because of the fact that he had just run his course. Yeah, with it's the just team. time. It's just time, and that's okay. Exactly, which would have been a great time for Hugh Jackson to step in at that point, but that was neither here nor there. The point of what the point of of the whole thing is, uh, we as Bengals fans for a very long time have not been able to feel what it's like to come back at halftime and make adjustments and win. And at this point in time, there is nothing that scares me. Oh, yeah, tell them I said hi or good night. Was it good night? Good night. Uh, sorry for keeping uh, sorry for keeping him up. No, so you're long. Okay. Okay. so apologize. <laughs> okay. Anyway, that's all I got. That's all I got. It's just nice to finally have that. So, all right, before we actually get a score from you, Chris, I, I, you guys said a couple things that oh reminded me of yeah. something. You're good. Think about it for a second. How much of a I forgot about. I mean, how much uh, of does it matter that it's a home game for the Rams? Basically, I mean, does it not matter at all? So here's the thing to me, and I've actually this is something that I've this is what I've thought of. Like I've actually spent some time thinking about this. Like as loud as Kansas City was, and I was at the Tennessee game. So as loud as that Tennessee game was, and as loud as I was at the Raiders game, as loud as it was for the Raiders when they were on offense, like the Super Bowl is a whole different entity, man. It's a bunch of corporate sponsors, it's a bunch of big money people. Also, like to, to Chris's point, it's L.A. It's more of a, you know, show up and be seen red carpet type of thing than it is like diehard fans. You go and look at the images and the videos from the pep rally that was held here in Cincinnati, where there were 30 to 35,000 fans filling the lower bowl of the stadium versus the one they did in L.A., where there may have been. Yeah, a couple thousand people, maybe. They said 3,000 fans is what they estimated. Maybe. Because I've seen the – like, maybe. It looked like a high school pep rally in comparison. So – and that's not crapping on L.A. the team. That's the fan base in general. They just – they just don't – they don't – there's too many other things to do, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so – there's just not the rabid fan base. Not only that, 
the the Rams have moved around so much and changed and done different things that it's like, is this really your team? And are you how how dedicated are you to it? Where I've been a Bengals fan my entire life, right? And it's just di- it's just different. So I don't think to go back to your question of like home field advantage. Yes, I think some advantages of sleeping in your bed all week, being already acclimated to the weather that the Bengals are going to have to adjust to. That, that's an adjustment, you know, coming from it's an easier adjustment to, to, to 80. Right. Um, but so there are some perks from that standpoint or advantages from that standpoint, but as far as crowd noise, like I, it wouldn't shock me if there were more people rooting for the, not Bengals fans, but if there were more people rooting for the Bengals than there were rooting for the Rams in that stadium on that particular day, that wouldn't shock Joe, me. Joe Burrow for what he did at LSU his Heisman Trophy speech, this yes. Heisman Trophy speech alone brought more Bengals fans. Yeah. Uh, they're going to bring more Bengals fans to this game than anything. I have talked to so many people who could care less about the NFL but love Joe Burrow uh, for what he did with that, with the Akron food uh, pantry or whatever it is, not Akron, Athens. but uh, Athens, Athens. Yeah. food pantry and everything. Uh-huh. that Like, people just love this kid. And they're, that is why went to Tennessee. I think, there were, when I tell you, I probably saw a hundred or more LSU hats only, like just LSU gear at the Tennessee game. We walked from our hotel to the stadium and ran into this group of like 10 dudes, all LSU gear, all with like Louisiana Cajun type accents. Oh no, man, we're just here to see we're just here to see Joe. We love Everybody's Jamar. Here too. To see Joe. Yeah. Like Joe and Jamar. That's it. I'm telling like, I'm, it, it was absolutely amazing. That is one thing that since 90 fans know what we have, and I think they a lot of them know what we have in Joe Burrow. But there's there's something different that we've never seen in a player for the Bengals that Joe Burrow has. Uh the 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 uh mag- Magnetism, magnetism or whatever you yeah. want to call it yeah that he brings it's it's unbelievable and it just gives me cold chills every time i think about it. i start getting a little quieter i start ah it just gets me hey man you super, I mean, super even, excited even brock wants to come play here now <laughs> there you go let's go hey well I CJ we is on the hoop. Him, but apparently cj hey we, cj's here did you go to the pep rally andre this is one i did not i did not oh, okay i was like so, it's way too cold outside it's cold did you see the clip though? Did I you did. see the clip? CJ walks out there with his knee brace. Straight, straight WWE, baby. Takes it off, throws <laughs> it behind him. So before that, when they were announcing him, I was listening on 700 WLW and uh, Lap was saying, hey, he's actually jumping around looking pretty good uh, in his knee brace. And then he gets up on stage and throws it off behind him. Nice. And yeah, because I, 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 I could see him playing. It's like he said, this is the biggest game of his entire life. Yeah, he even if it, have, even if it's a quarter or like sprinkled in throughout the game, like I'm, I'm gonna do everything I can. Yep, for sure. And, and I don't blame, and I'm excited for him. Um, so I need to pick a score, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna go 27-24. Oh wow! All right. Who's your MVP? Uh, I'm Joe Burrow is the MVP, yeah. and it's not fair, but it, it's it's. Uh, you know what? Actually, you know what? I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Joe Mixon because uh, Mixon's not getting a lot of love and if these um if these sack happy uh la rams 
just decide to pin their ears back and think that they're just going to stop Joe in the first half. And Mixon can actually do something in the first half and come out, give me a touchdown or two in the first half. Why not make him the MVP? I don't disagree. Adam. All right, Mr. Schmidt, what you got? I'm going to make this fast, guys. I started the year uh, as the villain. I'm going to finish the year as the villain, 27-21 Rams. Uh, I, I have not Stay consistent, learned my, baby. Stay consistent. I've not I've not learned my lesson what? apparently yet. And uh hey, if it's one rule, don't bet against Joe Burrow. Uh, you're right. You're hundred percent right. There's it, it does not make sense for me to pick this. Uh and Aaron Donald is my MVP with eleven sacks in this game. And uh <laughs> what is eleven a lot? And the nosebleeds were can- <laughs> just been canceled in Cincinnati. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> A bad look for the only guy not wearing a Bengal shirt. Uh, oh, jeez. <laughs> I don't know. Right. I'm, I'm just going. I'm going with my uh, going with my look, gut. Man, I, I don't. <clears throat> I mean, I, clearly Vegas agrees with you, right? I mean, they're they're four, four and a half. half. The Bengals are a four and a half point underdog. Um, and I, I am not clearly. I, I said 27-23. He said 27-24. I mean, we all believe it should be a relatively close game. One score. It could go either way, I, I feel. I don't feel like LA is so dominant that they would run away with it. I don't feel that the Bengals are so dominant that they would run away with it. I think it's going to be relatively close. I think it'll be a one score game unless something goofy happens, you know, a, a, pick, six, a pick six in garbage time or you know, something like that. But like outside of that, I think it'll be a one score game and it'll be close one way or another and flip a coin and let's see what happens. I, I can't. The fact do- that we can flip a coin right now to yeah. see if the Bengals are going to win the Super Bowl is yes. good enough. Yes, 100%. Sure. 100%. Take it. I'm rooting hard against myself again on that. So hopefully I'm wrong. All right. So let's, 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 uh, are you done with Bengals? I don't you got any more Bengals we're, questions. We're, we're good. We're good. Andre, you have anything else to say about the Bengals? Nah, man. Let's uh, let's jump into it. Let's, let, I'm so Should excited about this game. And, and, and uh, before we get into our Saturday Night Live cast members, um, let's talk about our man. Something something has happened uh, that, and I'm going to say this to start this off. I don't know what week it was, but one week this year during the NFL season, we were talking about the Rooney Rule and coaches and things like that and I straight said the Rooney rule I don't even know why they had it because all it's a I I didn't say it was a sham I could go I wish I knew exactly what episode it was it was basically exactly what all these people were saying which is I mean if the owners already pretty much know who they want to hire if you're making them interview somebody that in not every case is that even helping that person who's getting interviewed. I'm sure it helps with maybe they can surprise somebody, but it's not fair to them in that case. It hasn't been fair to them for a very long time. The Rooney rule has seemed like it is useless to me, not useless. Yeah, useless. I'll say it. It's useless to me because the owners are going to do what the owners are going to do with or without that rule. That being said, Brian Flores gets my favorite text message from an old man in the history. My bad. In my all-time favorite old man mistake, text the wrong Brian 
uh, ever. My absolutely, my absolute favorite thing that's ever happened. And with that being said, it's not going to be enough for him to do too much. I don't think, I don't know what else he has on the Broncos um, or, or if he has proof of anything from Miami's coach or, or, or ownership yeah. offering him money. And I know Hugh yeah. Jackson has joined this and saying the same thing in Cleveland. Um, I don't know how much proof they have of those things. Yeah. Um, it's going to be tough to, to do anything, but the fact that this is out there and Brian Flores is putting his name on it is a huge step. Before I get, we get too deep into being a black man and, and having things, because I don't think necessarily that a lot of this is, is a hundred percent. Like these owners are racist. I'm not telling you that these owners are racist in what they're doing. I think that there might be a race factor involved in it because they're not comfortable with having a conversation and, and, and having a black man that they're not comfortable being around as their coach. But at the same time, what does this, what is the way to fix this then to give these people Eric the enemy? Is there a way Eric the enemy? I said, I don't, I don't know what you do to, to, to you. Can you incentivize teams? Do you incentivize teams? They were giving them, they were giving them draft picks for hiring, uh, coaches and uh, African-American GMs and the owners still were like, nah, we're good. <laughs> so, so what's the, nah, so what's the answer? What's the answer for a guy like Aaron, Eric Bienemy or a guy like Brian Flores, who the, the most oddball firing that I've ever, or maybe now we know why he was fired because they wanted yeah. him to lose more games than he really did. And he said, screw you. I'm going to go out and try to win what I can. Yeah. Well, you know, and he was more hard headed and didn't go with ownership. Right. He, he, he 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 was a team guy, and you. I mean, that's yeah. your name on the yeah. record of your team. Yeah, so I wouldn't do it either. And, and ultimately, when it comes down to it, you're going to judge me based upon my win and loss record, right? Yeah, hundred percent. Like, and being being an African American coach, you just don't get as many chances as white coaches do. You don't get it. You don't get as many, and you don't get it for as long. Like that, the statistics will just tell you that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's unfortunate, but that's that's the that's the case. So now you're telling me, hey, let's pad your loss stats, and then you know, uh, two years later, it's like, yeah, well, maybe you need to lose some more. And I'm like, yo, I don't want to do that anymore. Well, maybe we need to mutually part ways. And like, what 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 are we doing here? Um, I'm I'm interested to see what his what proof they have of the, of the money for uh, games being lost. Because yeah. I was listening to a guy the other day who was a lawyer and he was talking about uh, at that point in time, it could become wire fraud. Bruh, You're talking about a federal huge. crime. Huge. They're going to lose their team. This is a yes. federal yes. crime that 100%. they would be committing. Yes. So I mean, I think about all the money that was like placed in bets. And I mean, like we, the ramifications, if this is true and there is evidence like right now on the services, he said, he said, right. But like, let's say he does have hypothetically a recording or has some sort of video evidence or, or or, or just an email or text would be enough. Right. Whatever, whatever it is, some piece of evidence that, corroborates his story good lord we're going to step into something even bigger than what we're all talking about on the face of this 
yeah. that you're talking about jail time. You're talking about yeah. teams being no longer owners that are 80 and 90 years old losing teams. Yes. You're talking about teams. This is, becomes way bigger. So, so let's get off of that. Let's get yeah. to what the real thing is, right? I am obviously a white 38-year-old man that you you're know, white. Believe it or not, huh. that doesn't have to Learn deal something with new every day. Doesn't doesn't have to deal with the things that this has anything to do with. So it's easy for me to come out and say, well, yeah, I've been, yeah, I mean, obviously the Rooney rule, but the teams don't care about that. They're gonna they'll interview somebody, but all you're doing is telling them they have to interview somebody that they've already got who they want to hire as a coach, probably before they ever interview anybody. In my head. As, as someone from uh, that's it's easy for me to see that, yeah. But then it's easy for me to say, why is Eric Bieniemy still an offensive coordinator in Kansas City? Yeah. So, please tell me what what are your thoughts on this, and what do you think about the whole deal? So, I think the Rooney Rule had good intentions from the beginning. Um, in the in the spirit of the rule, it was intended to give those who didn't get an opportunity an opportunity. Before it was, we are only interviewing white head coaches and that's all we're interviewing. All right, let's throw this Rooney rule in here that says, dude, you at least got to talk to a black person. Like, come on, man. Like, yep. You're being ridiculous. And when it first was implemented, it showed results. There were eight, seven, eight, nine black coaches when the Rooney rule first began. The issue became those black coaches didn't perform the way that those white owners felt that they should and weren't given the same amount of time as their white counterparts. And so therefore they were like, well, that didn't work. Okay. You're out. And so, you know, then you have situations where, you know, you got Tony Dungy leaving the bucks to bring in white John Gruden to come in and win a super bowl. Um, you know, you've got right now today, we got one African-American head coach. you got one Lebanese head coach and you got one Hispanic head coach. I'm pretty sure they're the league is not made up of 75 percent Lebanese players and or Hispanic players. So 75 percent of the players in the league are African-American. We You can only have one African-American head coach. That seems a bit ridiculous to me. So the best players who know what they're doing, who are the most successful, have to be led by a white coach in order to be successful? Like, that seems silly to me. We have some super intelligent guys who are, I mean, you you, you look at uh, my man down in, we were just talking about him, down in uh, Miami, the coach. Prime Flores. Uh, Prime yeah, Flores. Flores. You look at Flores. Team started off one in, one in seven. Had a ton of injury issues. You got two at quarterback who was beat up and injured, and Jalen Waddle's trying to figure out what he's doing. He took that team and brought them back to make them nine and eight, like, and beat the New England Patriots. Like, that's deserving of another year, man. Come on. Versus you look in Cincinnati, where, and I'm only comparing coaching experiences. You look at Cincinnati where a guy a guy can go 625 and one in his first two years and be given a third year with no problem. Right? Like 
And part of you, that you comes down at, to ownership too. The who again, the owners very, of the team are. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And their tendency. But but then you look at but then you look at dudes like Adam Gase who get an opportunity over and over again. Like what, what why? Why is that dude getting an opportunity? Like he looks dumb in his press conferences, right? Like <laughs> why is he a head coach? Eric Bieniemy sitting over here, or Byron Leftwich is sitting over here, or Leslie Frazier is sitting over here, or uh, the defensive coordinator that was here for uh, Vance Joseph. Like there are a ton of qualified coaches who just aren't getting an opportunity to be the head coach. And when you have rich, old, white owners, you want to surround yourself with folks that look like you that make you comfortable that's the I key the team i can do what i want that's the key so when does when do when does the ownership change what do we have to do to make what what has to happen where's that ownership change come from because that's i'm not saying that it should change or you know you know that they should just take take uh, uh nfl teams away from people for reasons I mean, it could start happening if some of these allegations are true. But if that's the case, that's 100% correct. I, Keyshawn Johnson said it best. He said, if I'm an owner, I'm hiring a black GM and I'm hiring a black coach. And he said, that doesn't necessarily make me a good owner. That no. makes me hiring people that I'm comfortable with. Yes. And he goes, and it's the same thing that happens there. You have some owners that are comfortable with hiring the best people. And that's what they want to do. But then there's a lot of owners who are only going to hire people that they're comfortable to be around. And that Keyshawn straight said it. He was like, I'd be a terrible owner because I'd hire people that I'm comfortable with. And that doesn't necessarily make us the best football team. And Correct. that's what's happening in the NFL Correct. right now. But see, so, so to me, it, then it comes down to there has to be some sort of diversity training that is embraced. And if it's not embraced, it doesn't matter. Right. So if I'm Keyshawn, yeah. like, oh, fine, Keyshawn, if you want to hire a black GM and a black coach and all black staff and do whatever, you can do that if you want to. But is that the best for your team? Why not potentially black GM, white head coach, black offensive coordinator, Hispanic defensive coordinator, you know, like because it's data will show you even in companies, the more diverse that you are the better your company does because you're bringing thoughts and ideas from all over. And all of these coaches are great, man. Right? They're very rarely you're going to run across some dude like that. He's just terrible. No, he's probably in a terrible situation or has a terrible quarterback or, you know, ownership and he doesn't get along or whatever it is. But like these guys are all pretty smart dudes. Football ain't that hard. So let's diversify the process so that, multiple people are getting opportunity, but also realize no one understand that again, 70, 70 plus percent of the league right now is made up of African-American. You can't tell me you can't find leaders in that African-American community that are able to be head coaches outside of just Mike Tomlin. Yep. So my a thing that I think about all the time, and this is, and it's probably just, just it's probably the way a brain should work or shouldn't work. I don't know, but I, it doesn't make sense. I don't, I get the 70%. People keep talking about that. It's a big, big it's a big number. I'm, if, I'm an, if I'm a GM, if I'm a coach, I don't care about anything. I just want the best, the absolute best person 
to be in that situation. So why, why is it that hard to make this happen? I don't understand it. Dude, it's 2022. You would think so, man. But, I mean, racism still exists in America. Like, it sounds crazy. 100%. Like I said, I don't, nuts, it on an every, like, I don't deal with ra- it every day. Racism so still know. exists in America. And there are multiple teams. There's only 32 teams in the league. There are multiple teams in the league who have never hired a black coach in their entire history. And most of them are in the South. Shocker. Imagine that. Right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I just, I, I would, the, my thing is, like you said earlier, the Rooney Rule head was a great idea when it came out. And it worked. And it worked. And it worked. Like any other rule, people find ways to get around things that they don't want to deal with. Correct. So people get around it. So, where is our next step? What is that next thing? You already incentivize them with the, maybe a, an extra fifth or sixth round draft pick or whatever it is, uh, you know, something to that effect. Is it money? Is it draft picks? Is it, it – there's got to be – I don't know what it is. I, I don't have an answer. So here's a, here's, a, here's a crazy idea for you. This is what I wanted. This is what Re- I wanted to hear out of your reverse, mouth. Here's a crazy re- idea for you. Reverse the order of the draft. So that the best teams get to pick the best, best players. So now you can't, so you can't use African-American head coaches to tank, right? Oh, I just hired him and they didn't know what he, like, uh, he didn't know what he's doing, but it's fine. We'll get him. And then we just keep losing or you can't incentivize a person to lose. No, you get the absolute best candidate, the absolute best candidate that you can and you put them in that position, and whoever finishes number one gets the first draft pick on on all the way down. Man, that – boy, that is a fantastic – I love the premise of that idea. But once again, now you come into markets and money and, and, sure. and things of that nature that become – that make it – really difficult for the Bengals to ever get a top five pick ever again. <laughs> uh, just it, because they or, won't be able to feel would it. Or, or, or would the Bengals be put in a position where they are forced to do things in the past that they didn't do? No. So in my, in my thought process, if I'm Mike Brown right now, and that becomes the new rule, my thought process now is the only thing I care about is making my scouting the best scouting department. That, that we can possibly be. I want the best scouts because I have to be prepared to pick to win a Super Bowl or, or I'm sorry, to, to come in dead last and have a terrible team and pick last. So I better have the best scouts out there to get me the best diamonds in the rough. Maybe. And now I'm paying more money and I'm focusing more on scouting. That's just me off the top of my head. I'm not saying maybe, that's what would maybe. happen. But, it, but, it, but again, it incentivizes you to be the best. And to find the best people, not who you want, not who you feel comfortable with. No, I need the best because we're trying to win. And the only way we're going to win is to go get, only way we're getting Joe Burrow is to go win the Super Bowl this year. And then we'll figure it out. That you also trade, helps. You want to do whatever? Fine. But that also helps a lot of teams that need quarterbacks that are just a piece away because a lot of people that are just a quarterback away are in the middle of the pack. And if you're at the top and you just want a Super Bowl, you probably don't need a quarterback unless you're Tampa Bay, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> so 
You probably don't need a quarterback. That quarterback drops a little bit. Now you're actually getting the best player in that draft. You're getting a defensive you can, lineman. You're you getting stop ruining quarterbacks because they went yes. to a crap team who didn't know what they were doing and they ruined him. And they start him right off the bat with nobody around him and put him in a position to fail, which is exactly what Hugh Jackson had happened to him, put into a position to fail. Brian Flores placed into a position to fail. It's if this say if this comes out that Brian that they offered him hundred thousand dollars to lose, per and loss. then that that per bangles loss. per loss, and that bangles Miami game goes into overtime, and then he ends up winning whatever he ends up doing. He won five or six games that year. Like that's why that that's shift. why he lost his job because he won that game, <laughs> and they were like, "Bro's <laughs> going to the Super Bowl. You, you got to go, man. I told you yeah. to lose that game. You got to go." <laughs> It really oh does. Gosh. It really does kind of sound like that. I mean, whether he's black, white, or some other color, you know, if yeah. any coach in that situation is like, I mean, I don't know how yes. you, I don't know how we could you, have had Joe Burrow, but you decided to win the damn game. Yeah, and especially, especially after you've won seven of your last eight, and now you have an opportunity to win that last one. I don't know. I, I, I don't know how you. How you not? I, I just can't imagine being a player or a coach and not competing. There's so much time and energy that goes into preparation for every single game. Are you just not gonna? I, I don't know. It's at the professional yeah. level. I just can't imagine anybody doing that. But I don't think you'll ever find it. Well, I shouldn't say that. There's probably a coach yeah. out there that would take that money. But I think coaches know that their their next job is is based off that when these coaches get these jobs at a, at a, you know, a Bengals or a uh, Miami, they're thinking they're taking that job for their next job in my head. They're taking that job to get the next job. I want to turn this team into a mediocre team. Look what I did when I took a crappy team, turned a mediocre. What can I do with a mediocre team? I can make great. So they're looking ahead. So there's no way these guys are doing that. That's why Flores is the guy he is. I just don't I'm, – I'm starting to come around to this. Slowly but surely, I'm starting to come around to this notion here. It's – listen, I'm very – I'm a very gullible person. Like, I'm uh, – you can you can talk me into just about anything. I'm starting to like this idea. Well, honestly, man, I, like – but legit. Like, I don't really know how you fix it. And I don't know that there is a fix in reality, right? Because the owners aren't changing. And unless you force change, who's going to force change? The owners – the commissioner works for the owners. So, you know, there's nobody above the owners who is going to be like, Oh, you guys need to be better. And you need to do like, we own the team. We own the commissioner. We own the league. Like what? Yeah. Who, who was the first black head coach? Uh, Archell? Question mark. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, 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 not, I'm not, I'm not sure. And, but let's go back. And so when would that have been? Eighties. Um, let's go with that. You, you, while you're doing that, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about my point. And it's not a good one in any stretch of the imagination, but change is slow, unfortunately. It should yes. be faster. We should, it should, I mean, at this point in time, we all know it's like, my, it's like my daughters right now, right? My daughters are fine. Good job. Art show, huh? Well done. What year? Uh, don't know yet. Hold on. Okay. So, but it's like, it, it's, it's like, my daughters 
I don't know, or my son even, I don't know how to have a race conversation with them at eight years old and five years old. Because at this point in time, the kids in their class are their friends. And if I'm trying to figure out who they're talking about, hey, uh, Maria said so-and-so. Oh, which one is Maria? You know, the little brown girl. And I'm like, oh, okay. You know, you're, that, that makes sense. It's the easiest way to point them out, right? But they don't, that doesn't mean anything to them. How, when, when does that conversation have to be put into place for a child to, to keep this moving in the right direction? So I think, it, they I, think keep it comes that. Down to, I think it comes down to experiences, right? So what do you do when you run into something that makes you feel uncomfortable? So perfect timing and perfect example. Obviously, my son is African-American. Um, he was at school today, yesterday, today, today, and some white young girl was having a conversation with him involved in the conversation. And apparently she came from a different school district. She came from Princeton. And while she was at Princeton, it was, she said um, she didn't hang around African-Americans because they were not trustworthy and not good people to hang around. And my son was standing with his white friend. My son was like, I don't think you should say that. And his white friend was like, you absolutely shouldn't say that. And went and told, you know, went and told and, and was being an ally and an advocate for my son. Sure. Right. Yeah. And so I think it comes down to how do you how do you educate your child when a situation like that occurs? Hundred percent. That's a, that's a, my a, a, a ten year old kid doesn't just come up off the top of his or her head and say African Americans at Princeton are not trustworthy. No, you've heard that somewhere before, right? Yes. You're parroting what you've heard either in your house or the babysitter's house or wherever it is, you've heard that somewhere before and you've decided to repeat that. As parents, what are you doing? So one, your child isn't that child who's letting those things come out of their mouth, but then two, what are you doing when the teacher calls and says, hey, your son was a part of this situation, he heard it, came to me, you're doing a great job, what conversation didn't do you have with your kid? And I think that's, that's what it's about. Love everybody. So, Start with the default. Hey, judge judge a person on their character, not on their color. Yeah, right. And that's I, easy. That's easy. That's easy because in my in my case, it's easy for me because in my case, you know, we live in Delhi. All right. Yeah. I like it's not it's not like I'm in I'm in the African American capital of the world where I right. live. Right. So, but there are they go to school with kids of color, Hispanic, yeah. be it whatever, but. My kids to this point just describe them as, you know, the, 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 he's, 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 brown. he's the brown yeah. one, right? Which is, there's nothing wrong with that in any way. No. It can be their best friend or somebody they don't like for whatever reason. But at what point in time, because at some point in time, these owners in the NFL had something happen to them or had something said to them that, made them made that uncomfortableness right and most of them are older so yeah they were all alive start, in the 50s and 40s when that's gonna start turning I, I i like to think that'll start turning yeah. but 
when this happens, you know, Parker watches ESPN. Most of the time he has zero idea what anybody is talking about. I am not equipped. I don't know that I'm equipped. I'm sure I am. I don't know how to have that conversation. Like it's never come up. So I don't know how to make it. I don't do. I do you wait until it comes up or do you nip it in the bud and you know, he's eight years I think, old. I, think I don't think it's a matter of necessarily nipping it in the bud, man. I think, again, if, if an experience comes up, address it. Have that open conversation, open dialogue. Um, if if you have questions, reach out to an African-American friend of yours and be like, hey, this is kind of what happened. What are your thoughts on this? Hey, here's kind of my thoughts on this. You know, um, I, I think the more we talk and the more we communicate as people, the better off we will be. Just I just I'm not can couldn't be any any more true because I think of back when me and Adam were kids, and you know growing up, you know wherever we grew up, whether it be Cheviot, Westwood, Price Hill, into Delhi, wherever we all you know slowly moved, maneuvered our bodies through through growing up, dealt with a lot of different things. I don't ever remember having any conversations about black or white or anything like that with my parents or anybody. I don't ever, that was never a conversation. It was just something that, you know, you just develop who you become yeah. freely. Yeah. But I don't think it should be quite like that. I think it needs to be busted into somebody's head maybe at a younger age. Like, all right, let's just make it really clear. You're going to hear these things. You're going to hear this. We're yeah. all the same people, right? Like, yeah. I, I just, I have, I still have. Maybe that's what I don't this think conversation you can, for I think me you can is. Have, depending on the relationship you have with your child, I think you can have that conversation, that conversation that you just had just now. Hey, you're getting older. Your circle of friends is expanding. The number of people you're running into is growing. You're going to hear things that I'm not comfortable with you hearing, but unfortunately, that's just the way the world works, right? And so therefore, when you hear these things, one, this is what those things mean and the the hate and fear that are behind them. And this is why we don't go in, like, that's not us. That's not who we are. That's not who you are. That's not who I am. And that's who I'm raising you to be, right? We have, yeah, I mean, this is something that I actually, it has come up, I guess, technically. We've talked about it on the podcast, Adam. Parker is a huge LeBron James fan, loves LeBron James. LeBron James is notably very vocal about his beliefs in different things, has said some things that he probably wanted to take back and has said some things that were damn true that a lot of people didn't like. But where there are people in his life that when they see him in a Lakers or LeBron shirt, Tell him LeBron sucks and his, you know, say all kinds of stuff. Not because LeBron, he always comes home. Why? Why do they say LeBron sucks? Right now, you know, my answer is right now, buddy, they used to say that about Michael Jordan. It's because he beats everybody. Yeah. They just don't like him because he beats their team. Because I don't know how to have that conversation yet. Yeah, I'm well, not I think, prepared to so put him into politics so I, at eight years old. So I think it depends on what's the context of what those kids are saying. LeBron sucks. Because he said yada yada yada, okay, that's something to address. If it's just LeBron sucks, yeah, eh, whatever. Brady sucks. I hate Brady. Like they Brady say won it because they say it because seven Super Bowls in ten years. Like it, no. okay, yeah, we all hate they're, Brady. 
fine. But they're telling them because their dads tell them that LeBron is terrible. You're not allowed wearing LeBron shoes. You're not allowed liking LeBron. I had to tell a dad, don't talk about that stuff around here. Like Parker yeah. likes LeBron. Just let him like LeBron for being a great basketball player. Leave that out of it. He's eight years old. Right. Because, yeah, he doesn't know that part of it. He doesn't, he doesn't hear when LeBron says something about some social issue. He watches LeBron play basketball games, and he sees how he great he is the games at that. for him so he can watch him at breakfast. <laughs> right, yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah, let him, let him be. Let him be. Uh... Losing again. Hey, you're okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, That's my thing. I want him to just be an eight-year-old kid, but at some point in time, like you said earlier, Conversations are coming. Things bro. get said, man. It's coming. Conversations are coming. So I got, okay. I got a, I got a thirteen going on fourteen year old. Conversations are coming, bro. Yeah, this is what it is. Man, especially at that age, jeez. Uh, <laughs> so, so just, just really quick to 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 put a bow on the Brian Flores stuff is is his his lawsuit. Do you see it making? A significant change? No. I mean, it may it may do away with the Rooney Rule mm-hmm. because, or, or at, at minimum, at least find a way to tweak it in such a way that you know it's more useful than what it in its current iteration, right? That's what will happen because because clearly in its current iteration, you can. Oh yeah, did we? Hey, did we bring in that black dude? No. Okay, make sure we get that <laughs> black dude in here. Check that box yeah. off. Before. It's two. Let's isn't all get, it? Hey, let's isn't all it, let's all get two? drunk and let's yeah. all get drunk and go to Miami and go interview somebody yeah. real quick. Or <laughs> exactly right. So clearly that's not working. Um, so you know you can. Tweaks to the Rooney rule, again, I don't know what those tweaks would be, but obviously it needs to be addressed and changed in some way. Um, Potentially doing away with the Rooney rule altogether, replacing it with something. I don't think they, in my opinion, I don't think they would just take it away because clearly that that also doesn't address the overarching issue. Um, But just focusing on the, the piece of, you know, being African-American. Now, the the money piece of paying for losses and things, that could cause that dude to lose his team. The NFL, is, the NFL wants no parts of being associated with somebody like that, and they will absolutely force them to sell that squad. Um, if that, again, proven true evidence, all that stuff comes together, um, he will lose his squad. But Outside of that, do I see it making any real tangible change to what's happening? No, you still got the same owners. You still have the same pool of candidates that they like to recycle. I mean, you know, now there's now there's two. Now we got uh, uh, Lovey Smith. Smith. Mm -hmm. And if anybody can can we all be clear and say, why is Lovey Smith another chance? Right. Why? Well, have you seen have you seen his beard? That thing looks good. Oh man. That thing looks Can good. Can I tell right you now. this? Let me th- we're gonna talk about black people real quick. I, I would if hire Lovey Smith black- just based on his looks right now because I love that beard. If, he was there like snowy man, white sold new head yeah. coach. Done. If I could if I could be a black man in age like Andre 
and have a beard like Lovey Smith, <laughs> give it to me all day long, hey, brother. Dad, wrap it up, boys. <laughs> New head coach. <laughs> One more question I thought was interesting that I didn't think about until I just read something a little bit ago. <clears throat> just today, I think it was. He, Lovey Smith was hired by the Texans, right, to be their new coach. While Brian Flores made a statement about, um, you know, about being happy, you know, being happy that that there was another person of color that was hired as a head coach. Great. But they didn't hire me now because of the lawsuit. Yeah. So now, I mean, so my question is, is to you is if you're an owner, a GM, whoever makes the decision on hiring a head coach. Can you hire a guy that is currently suing the NFL to be your head coach? No, no, there's no, I, he, he's I'm kind totally of pigeonholed himself no. now, hasn't he? I mean, it's, but, it's no, but that's it's, he made that decision, he yes, put his name 100%. on it. And I think that's yes. the best thing he could yes. have ever done. It's the uh, whether you agree or disagree with how he did it and what he stood for, all that it's it's the same general principle as Colin Camp Kaepernick, right? You knew once that became an issue, you weren't getting another job as, as a quarterback in the NFL, like you just weren't. So Embrace it. Do what you need to do. Figure out what the next step is in your life. Like, be an advocate. Do whatever it is you want to do. You're not getting another NFL job. And there's no way, at least as things are currently laid out, that Brian Flores will be a head coach in the NFL anytime soon, if ever. I'll tell you, I just, I just thought of something, and I agree with you, but I just thought of something that would make sense to me here. And maybe it goes along with the same thing, the question I just asked, but maybe the lawsuit has to be dropped in order to do this, but maybe it makes the most sense to bring Brian Flores on to work for the NFL to be kind of a, I don't even know right now if they have like some sort of uh, diversity task force consultant, inclusion committee, something like that for him to be on that or head it or whatever to try and come up with something to, or to put, to put a team together. Maybe he's the guy tasked with that to put so a team my, together to, to try to make some sort of change. Kickback or pushback to that would be if I'm him, I don't want that. I want to be a head coach in NFL. Yeah. I'm not here to fix no offense. Like I'm not here to fix your problems. I'm a head coach. That's what I do. I'm not here to be on a diversity committee and figure out what your problems are and help you resolve those. I want to coach football and I'm but, damn good at it. And I deserved an opportunity. And and you can be on that diversity committee and be a head coach. I feel like that. I feel like there should be at least a coach or two on that every single year, whether it's him or competition somebody. committee type thing. Yeah, exactly. Whether you're going to have players, you're going to have coaches, you're going to have different people in on stuff like that. So Oh yeah, I'm. I'm. Yeah. But and and fair enough, he wants to be a head coach, and and it seems it seems his resume seems like he should get a chance. Right. Um, but he did. We just talked about it. He did just make the choice to basically not be a head coach as long yeah. as this is going on. Yep. So, hundred percent. Which one do you? I mean, I, I feel he knows like what he did. He Look, knows man, what he did. He's already said it. He's already ultimately. Came out and said it. Ultimately, he is. If you take him at his word. He's falling on the sword so that things can be better for people to come after him. Right. And that's, and that's every, that's every 
marginalized person in this country that has decided enough is enough, whether it's, you know, women's women's suffrage for the right to vote, whether it's, you know, Rosa Parks taking a seat and deciding not to get up, whether it's, you know, Dr. Martin Luther King marching down in the streets, whether it's gay pride and this is what we're doing, like whatever it is at a certain point in time, that's enough. I'm going to take a stand and to heck with the consequences. This is what I'm doing. And unfortunately for him, the consequences, you'll probably never be a head coach in the NFL again. But for him, if the payoff is at some point, this changes and that the most deserving person gets the opportunity to get the job, that's what I want. And that's, I'm willing to sacrifice who I am and what I've done to this point so that Andre can be the next head coach somewhere and is given that opportunity Cincinnati, you know, where, where he wouldn't be, you know, if, if I hadn't have done what I did. So. I, 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 you know, when Colin Kaepernick took a knee, um, I, I, you, you got all the different sides coming, blah, blah, blah. But everybody said he'll never be a quarterback again. I ain't got a lot of you for the next couple of years. I thought, man, I thought he was going to get a shot, but he didn't. And right now in my head, I'm like, Brian Flores is going to get another shot. The dude is good. And right now, the more I think about it and the more I compare that when you brought up Colin, the more I compare that, the more that mm, he just uh, – You're not going to make the he, league look – You're not going to make the league look stupid, man. He's suing every one of the people that would be hiring him. Yes. Every single one of them. Yes. If someone sues me, I'm not hiring them. No. I mean, that's plain and simple. That's easy, man. Maybe he'll be the next commissioner. Maybe that's maybe that's the start. Man, I'll tell you what. You want to talk about make it? Hey, you want to, <laughs> now that yeah, but who, who puts the commissioner that in that The owners? The owners do. Yeah. Guess, but if, you can, <laughs> yeah. if I can sit Never back, mind. <laughs> if I can sit back and make two hundred and fifty million dollars a year to basically call kids' names out once a year. I'll tell you what, though, hasn't I, I mean I have no idea who is right underneath or right by Roger Goodell in, in the front office. Uh, but Troy Vincent is up there somewhere, right? I was going to say Merton Hanks, I think has been, uh, has been a, a pretty high up executive for a while. Hasn't he? Or maybe he's like the disciplinarian or doesn't he give out? Yeah, I don't remember. I, but I think Troy Vincent is like pretty high up. If, if I remember correctly, that sounds right. Um, yeah, I, I, Oh, quick circle back. Art Shell, first African-American head coach, 1989. 89, there Not you that go. Ago, that ain't that long ago, boys. Last time the Bengals <laughs> won the Super Bowl. <laughs> but that was what I was when – I, when I first said that, that was to the point of what I was saying, right? Change change ain't fast. And you get into a white old white man's league like the NFL, change ain't going to be fast, right? So we might have, you know, went from one coach in 1989 – to was it 1990 whatever 1998 when they put came when the Rooney Rule came out yeah 90, 2000 somewhere in there, there yeah. and jumped up to They're seven like eight. eight coaches yeah and now we're at now we're at two you know when you look at it that percentage is it moved greatly from two to eight obviously but from that that time of eight to where we are now 
it fluctuated and stayed pretty well the same. Maybe it moved up times, maybe moved down. Well, it probably never moved up. It never went eight. above eight. I was going to say eight feels like as high as it's ever been. Yeah. But, you know, it, it's, it, it, it feels like it's time then. Then it's time. There yeah, has to be another Rooney rule. There has to be another Rooney rule. There has to be another something. Dumb. Flores rule. A Flores rule. That's going to be what this is. It's going to be what it comes out to be. Should be. Yeah. All right. Man. Anything else on that? I don't want to cut it short or anything like that. No, no. I'm good. All right. We have got some. Andre, I appreciate everything, buddy. I appreciate the conversation. Yes. And, uh, for sure. And I, I appreciate all the, all the Bengals insight as we always do, but this is going to be you know fun. This is going to be fun right now. Yeah. Let, let, let's, let's start it and end it with some fun stuff. Yes. We've all, most people have at least seen Saturday Night Live yes. over the years. Um, I, th- I feel like everybody has their favorite era. It's usually like when you're in high school or teenage years or something like that as you're growing up. Certainly for me, obviously, the, the Chris Farley, Adam Sandler, all that, those guys in that area, era are my favorite. But um, we're talking characters, Saturday Night Live characters. So not not the actual actors, not the actual people. We're talking characters. Oh, did you do <laughs> follow the rules? Brother, it's follow never been the rules. Chris is going last. Go back to you can go back to every single report card I've gotten from the time I was in first grade. <laughs> I was probably talking while Adam was talking, number one. So I didn't hear it totally. <laughs> I guarantee that. And on Zoom, that never works because I talk over both of you all the time. And it sounds terrible on Zoom, but it is what it is. I apologize. Listen, my first grade teacher started this whole mess trying to tell me I got to stop talking. So I became a salesman because I get to just talk all day. <laughs> all, right. all right, Adam, you go first. <clears throat> okay. This is this was way harder than I even thought it would be because there are so many that I've forgotten about. And then you you start searching, you start going through Google or YouTube or whatever, and you're like, oh my God, I forgot about that. So many years of Saturday Night Live skits. And and there are some that happened like once or twice ever, not even like recurring all the time. That you're like, that's one of my favorite things ever, and you remember it forever. So this is really, really hard. I'm going to start with one that's going to be, it feels hacky because I feel like this is going to be on everybody's, but Matt Foley, Matt Foley is, is, you know, every, everybody knows Matt Foley on the list. All right. So Chris Farley's probably most famous character on that. I think my favorite, I think the one that made me laugh the most more than that was Chris Farley playing himself, a version of himself on the Chris Farley show. It, they only did a, two or three versions or two or three instances of this. He did, uh, he did one with Paul McCartney. He did one with Jeff Daniels. Um, and those are the only two I remember off the top of my head. But he was, he just did this like really nervous guy that had an interview show and he was a horrible interviewer. And it was all like, he would ask Paul McCartney, like, um, um, you, you remember, remember when you were in the Beatles and, <laughs> and Paul McCartney was like, yeah, he's like, that was cool. That was cool. <laughs> was yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Let's go. That's I, I went back. I've always loved those. And I went back and watched a couple of them and just laughed my brains out. So funny. I'm putting that one on there. Uh, Bob Swarsky's or sometimes it was his brother, Bill 
Swarovski's super fans, the Chicago Bears guys sitting around the table. They did it uh, four or five yes. times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They yeah. did John one. Goodman was always part of that. It was 88 or 80, no, maybe 91, maybe when Michael Jordan hosted the first time. And they did one there. And that's, I've watched that one six million times in my life. But they did that a bunch. And it was, yeah, John Goodman was on, um, uh, uh, went, uh, what's his name, went from Cheers, uh, was always on it. Mike Myers was one of the guys, Robert Smigel. Norm. Um, those, yeah, those were always good. Um, and then I had so much trouble with this last one, but I watched a few of these and her name is Junice Maharel, I think something like that. So there was a, they always did it on the Lawrence Welk show. Um, and it was, <laughs> they did the Lawrence Welk show and it was, they had these like four sisters that were the tiny hands. Yes. It's so, it was so weird. And I went back and watched some of those and they were unbelievably funny. Kristen Wiig is the person who played that. Game. That's, that's what I was just thinking of. I was looking her up just now. Because so of creepy. So, so creepy and so funny. They would have like a guy sing a lot of times and it would be a different guy, but they would like do like an, like, uh, you know, uh, uh, like they would kind of play off of each other and each girl would come up like one at a time and they'd be like flirting through song. And then the, yes. and she would always be the last one. And she'd say something like, you know, I, I found a dead rabbit and I put it in my bathtub and then ate it later or something like as part of the song, it was, she, it was just the craziest, weirdest stuff. And it was, and she looked, she was like the, the rest of them were, you know, like good looking at everything. And she yes. was like, had the real high forehead and the yes. tiny hands yes. and messed up. Yes. So those are my, I'm putting her on that last one. There are so many I Very can't good. put on there, but really funny. What do you think? What do you think? It looks like it's, it looks like Chris is still struggling over there. So we're gonna. I'll go. I'll go next. Go um, I'm gonna go right off the top. I I gotta go, Mr. Robinson and Mr. Robinson's neighborhood, and Eddie Murphy. Like straight straight classic. Like I struggled. I was like maybe Gumby. I don't know. He's pretty funny and pretty classic. But like Mr. Robinson, hilarious. Like still to this day. People will come to my house and knock on the door and I'll turn to my sons and I'll be like, this is how we answer the door in my neighborhood. <laughs> like, all the time. <laughs> it's just funny to me. <laughs> so, Mr. Robinson, uh, Daryl Hammond playing Sean Connery on Jeopardy. Oh Money. God. Like oh my God. absolute money. <laughs> yeah. uh, because you put Matt Foley, I'm going to change and do Alec Baldwin as Pete Schwetty. <laughs> yeah. And they're talking about his Schwetty balls and the two, and I can't remember the two ladies' names who are in there, but like they played like straight deadpan. And it was like, oh, your balls are great. Like, ah, uh, there's just like, moist and tender and like man this is hilarious and then finally one i'm a big tracy morgan fan and he he does this skit called astronaut jones and (laughs) astronaut jones is like he lands on this planet 
and there's always like some smoking hot chick, right? Who comes out and she's in like some little jumpsuit type thing. And she's talking to him and he's, and she's like, we'd like to welcome you to our planet. And he's like, uh-huh, word, dig, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, just absolute classic, like Tracy Morgan. Absolutely love it. Those, that's, that's, those are my uh, four. Nice, very nice. This sucks so bad. So the first thing I wrote down was Gumby. And I'll, and then I wrote Mr. Robinson afterwards. So I'm keeping Gumby then yeah. since you put Mr. Robinson on there. And Chris Kattan, the Mr. Peepers, when he's that whatever thing with the, the giant monkey ears, thing, like a whatever, monkey yeah. thing, yeah. Yeah. I can't stop laughing at that. I don't know how Will Ferrell makes it through those skits. I don't know how Chris Kattan makes it through those skits, which I don't think he really did. Chris Kattan did most never makes it through a skit, ever. <laughs> he just shoved more stuff in his face until he wasn't laughing. But that, Chris Kattan, I missed a lot of stuff Chris Kattan did was good. Kristen Wiig in, I just wrote down, because she's on my all-time favorite. She's one of my favorite SNL characters ever. Everything she does is hilarious. She can keep a, keep a straight face when no one else can and make the craziest eyes and freak me out. I could imagine sitting next to her and her doing those goofy things. So I don't know what to put on that. I'll go with the tiny hand person thing. That's so weird. <laughs> um, and then, you know, from there, it's tough for me, right? I mean, obviously, I wrote down Matt Foley. I wrote down uh, the the um, – strippers uh with chippendales dancers chippendales yeah. da- dancers um yeah coneheads the conehead the whole conehead thing that yeah. turned into an actual movie movie and Aykroyd. uh see and i so originally i had will ferrell written down because i love will ferrell but that started going back and i'm like the cheerleader stuff wasn't my favorite stuff nah. but it was good it was good everything he did was good but there was nothing that like was like i almost put uh best. although the one Will Ferrell one that really cracks me up is the cowbell. Oh, like, more cowbell. The only, yeah, the only, I got a fever and the only prescription is more cowbell. Like, mm-hmm. pretty funny. So the other person I had on here was Dana Carvey because I thought Dana Carvey was one of the best Church SNL lady. characters. Ever. Church lady. And that's what I, yeah. so after you said that, I immediately wrote down Church Lady next yeah. to it. Church so Lady. <laughs> I guess I'm going to go with uh, Gumby. Uh, Kristen Wiig, um, anything, anything, <laughs> Mr. Peepers and Church Lady, because <laughs> oh, yeah. I got thrown off on this. Oh, <laughs> why? Because, I, I, did, because I didn't read the instructions. <laughs> I, I should have been more clear. I, I should have been more clear. I went back and listened to the podcast, and I was like, "Yeah, that's right. It was it was SNL characters." And I heard SNL characters, characters and not. I just cast yeah. members. Like I just, it just that's what I typed into my phone. Yeah, I even I even clarified with Adam because I was like, "Wait, are we talking characters? Or are we talking actors?" And he was like, "No, absolutely characters." I was like, "All right, cool." Yeah. Note to yeah. self, Adam Schmidt. Adam, note to self: if you are ever telling one of our guests and they ask you to clarify something, and we didn't clarify it on the <laughs> podcast with you, clarify it with me at the same time. I got gotcha. you. I guarantee I didn't catch it. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, there were a couple of, I, I wrote a bunch of stuff down that I was trying to decide from, but a couple things that going back and watching, I'm like, can't, can't do that one anymore. No, nope. do that one anymore. Oh no. Uh, right no. now, Pat, 90% Pat? of the seventies and eighties. Well, yeah, yeah Absolutely Pat, not. you can't do anymore. Oh no. Uh, 
the ambiguously gay duo. No, <laughs> no. You I tried Chris to make mentioned that, that last week. I, last week, our thing was uh, we did the Mount Rushmore of adult cartoons or adult-ish cartoons. So I asked if – I said, well, it wasn't like an every week thing. But nah. would ambiguously gay duo nah. count? Because that was hilarious. <laughs> Not anymore. It was really I, funny. It's yeah. still Not hilarious. hilarious. Not Bull, crap is still hilarious. <laughs> Bull crap is still hilarious. Bull crap is still hilarious. I talked to – look, hey, you know, I got a gay friend. I talked to him about the ambiguously gay duo. I got a black friend. You know, yeah, so I feel like that's what yeah, I'm going that. with right there. <laughs> that's the thing. You're allowed to do anything if you have a friend. That's right. <laughs> that's what I'm saying, yeah. He uh, says it's funny. <laughs> oh, Lord have mercy. Man. I, I'm sorry. The ambiguously gay duo was flipping hilarious. That whole that whole concept was like wow, wow. Just they, wow. They, did a, they had a few of those little skits back in on our day. Um, yeah. Well, well, I guess yeah. You're yeah. Uh, what, Andre? How old are you? Forty. Forty-five. Forty-two. Forty-five. So yeah, about the same. When when that was kicking, dude, they had a couple really funny, like cartoonish little things that they did there. But the ambiguously like gay duo, that's got to be a top ten skit of all time. Yeah, a, cu- a couple friend of mine, a heterosexual couple friend of mine, did that and dressed up as ambiguously gay duo for Halloween one year. Absolutely hilarious. <laughs> Absolutely. I would have to make the, I gotta make the car. I Absolutely have to make hilarious. the car. I have to make the car. <laughs> car is the worst part. The you can't make oh. the car. That's the best part. Just oh. a giant penis. Terrible. Just terrible. The giant twig and balls. Oh. <laughs> Oh, jeez, oh, Pete. All right, well, Andre. What, a, what a good note to leave Andre on. <laughs> Brother. Thanks for joining us for it. this Bengals podcast. Twig and balls. <laughs> <laughs> <Funny ball. laughs> well, sounds like Adam knows what he's going to call it. Usually I say twig and berries, so twig and balls is way funnier. Hmm. I, might just, I might just do the symbols, you know, like, like for a curse word. I might just do that. Yeah, yeah. There you go. There you go. Self- this one got Andre, real sweaty. This one got real sweaty. Andre, is there any kind of bet that we could possibly make to get you to possibly sing on this podcast? <laughs> um, on this hmm. Bengals game. Sorry. Let's let me make it clear. It's like random bets. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> I'm holding a uh, number behind my back. If you guess it wrong right now, you have to sing a song now. <laughs> We're just trying. We're just we're just gonna keep working on. Trying we want to hear the pipes. <laughs> I, I say we make a. I, I say we all make a bet on the final score of the game that we set. I already Close said twenty-seven twenty-three is my score. Yeah, and I said twenty-seven twenty-four. And he said twenty-seven twenty-four. He prices righted you. <laughs> yeah, closest without going over wins. How about that? <laughs> uh, no. We'll figure it out next year. We'll make it happen next yeah, year. Yeah, we'll just do the same thing next year. And I, I like it. I like it. All right. Just, All right, boys, let's get this dub, man. Come on, let's get yeah, this. Let's do it, baby. Let's go. Hey, hey, I will, we are going to talk to you after the Super Bowl. Yes, sir. I don't know when it'll be, but it'll be after Super Bowl. Win or lose, I want to talk to you about the Super Bowl and, and what it meant to you and what you did and where you were at and all that fun stuff. Uh, until then, everybody, uh, thank you, Andre Edwards. And uh, as always, brother. We know it. It. nothing but love, boys. Thanks, Andre. All right, thanks, boys. All right, see you. See you, Bob. Andre Edwards. I'll tell you what, buddy. 
Always guys, a great time. Phenomenal. Always a great phenomenal. time. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. We, we got off topic a little bit when That's we got okay. into the Brian Flores thing, and I apologize. That was my fault. No. I, turned no. it into a, I turned it into a personal thing. But uh, not that's, that's all, right. all. It's all part of the conversation. All part of the conversation. There's no wrong way to go there. I don't think. Um, so, but look, we we took care of almost everything now already. So we've got one more thing to touch on, you and me, and uh, let's do it. Let's talk about the comedy special that we watched this week. Let Let's talk about the comedy special that we watched this week. Okay. Um, who are the guys' names? It's all Are You Garbage, the podcast, but what are the yeah. two guys' names? The uh, big H, fat guy I've heard of before. Yeah. H. Foley. And, H. Foley. Uh, and um, oh, of course, when I have to know it, I'm not going to. Uh. Anyway, I'll start off. Go this, ahead. <laughs> I'll, I'll think of it in a second. Maybe I watched the wrong. Maybe I watched the wrong thing. Was it like a half an hour long? Yeah, you didn't watch the wrong thing. <laughs> okay. Okay. So this isn't a comedy special. Right. This is just some guys up there talking about people. This is obviously what they do at the end of their of their little bit when they come on stage. They have people in the audience email them stuff that makes them feel like trash or garbage or whatever. I think this is all they do. You think it's all they do? Yeah, because this that's their podcast, basically, except they have somebody in studio. They have a guest like another comedian on or whatever, and they talk about that same thing. Yeah, but it but, seemed like when they, they segmented all these and it was like, all right, they were getting ready to start doing this. And it was like a short period of the actual comedy special in each comedy special. I don't know. I could be wrong. That's just might, the way you, I took you, it. You might be right. I just thought it was they were doing kind of the same thing in, in a bunch of different places and they just took the best ones. I don't know that. Yeah, maybe they maybe they so, did do a whole regular show, and then did this. And then just so anyway, um, some it, of these weren't as they weren't that bad. Like some of these weren't that bad. Am I that big? Am I am I that much garbage that I didn't think are, it was that bad? <laughs> you are garbage. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Adam's like, brother, I've been doing this podcast with you. I've known you for thirty eight years. Yeah, you're garbage. <laughs> No, no. Uh, this, yeah, I agree. Some of these are funny. The, the concept <laughs> is good. I love the concept. Uh, it's not the normal thing that we do. It's going to be hard for me to put a number on it because they did not do any comedy. Maybe uh, maybe a per- 1% was them kind of coming off the top with saying something, but it wasn't much at all. It was a whole bunch of, oh, my gosh, yeah, you are garbage. Holy cow. Oh, my gosh. It was a bunch of that. Some of them were really funny. Don't get me wrong. I'm, can I can I tell you? Can I tell you? Uh, my question for you is: Do you have an "Are you garbage?" or an "Am I garbage because of" email that you would have sent them? Do you have anything in your life that you feel like you could put on there? You know, I was I was kind of trying to think of some of that stuff while I was watching it. Um, I'm sure there are things growing up, you know, that we did that that those guys would consider uh you know i don't know um like i feel like your sister could say if i if i dip my graham cracker in orange juice or apple juice yeah that's a good I example just remember her doing that once so can i tell you the one that oh didn't you and my brother my do that 
Maybe it was me and your brother. I know I did it just because somebody, I did it at your house. I just remember doing it at your house. For some reason, I thought your sister did it when she was like a little baby. And then we all like laughed about it. I guarantee I did. I put mayonnaise on a peanut butter and jelly sandwich at Aunt Peggy's house one time. I had Aunt Peggy do it just because I said I love mayonnaise and they dared me to do it. And I told Aunt Peggy I wanted it. So she said, are you sure? And I was like, yeah. So she just made me one and I ate it. So that might make me garbage. And how would um, you rate it? The sandwich? Not yeah. good. It didn't. Okay. Like, those flavors don't go together. <laughs> okay. At all. But uh, those are good so examples. Thing, so you're coming up yeah. with them already. So the, the one thing, though, that, yeah, basically I'm garbage is what's coming <laughs> out of this. The one thing that comes up for me, and I am, and it has been brought up by every cousin or anyone that's ever been to my house growing up. If you, if you get a gallon of ice cream and your whole family of four or five just uses one spoon while they're sitting down eating ice cream, are you garbage? Because that is the way we ate ice cream in my house. Or no, not one spoon. We all had a spoon, but we all ate out of the gallon of ice cream. Just there were no bowls. You just reached in there and got some ice cream out that's not as bad as one spoon, but still pretty gross to a guy right. like me. One spoon would be way grosser, but uh, no, we would take, we would you, we would all get a spoon and you take a bite and then you dip it back. It's like a double dip or probably glazoon type dipped, if that's a number. I feel like that's a blushing number, but either <laughs> way. No, but we, uh, that, that's what I, that's the first thing I thought of when I was doing that. I was like, Oh man, I could do this all day long. This is neat. This is easy. So I don't know, man, for what they did, it was really funny. I don't know how to give them a number. I haven't given them a number yet. So I'm going to go just what's in the middle 2.5. Okay. All right. I don't yeah. think they're bad. I think it's super. I think it was funny. I laughed. I thought it was good, but they didn't do any stand up comedy. They just, read what people did that was it yeah i feel like they riffed a decent amount on it though and yeah some just giving but they're given the weirdest things in the world it's not like they're just randomly looking at somebody and go what do you do for a living the guy's like i'm an accountant that ain't easy to mess with right like no these people are giving them the most garbage weird things they can come up with that's easy to start making fun of you think so they're giving it to you. They froze their dog. I could start <laughs> joking about that right now for an hour. I mean, it's. it's I don't know. I mean, you got to come up with. You got to be funny. I mean, it, you know. I I feel like they were. I feel the like those guys. Is not at them. The laugh is at the dumb thing that was just said to them. I think it's also. I think it's. I think it's both to me. I think it's the funny thing and their reaction to it. And then saying something about it, um, especially Kevin Ryan is the other guy, by the way. Um, but H Foley, the bigger guy, I feel like he's. I, I felt I feel like they're both funny guys, um, but H Foley, I feel like is a little bit funnier. I feel like just his, I don't know, his little. It's because you get his reaction. Yeah, you get more of a reaction from him because the other guy's reading it and he's never heard him, so mm-hmm. he has to give a reaction. Yeah, to be. me, that's that's more difficult than just standing there looking at it and going, oh, Jesus, Pete, this is bad. 
<laughs> and then reading it and then making fun of the person that said it because it's you asked them to tell you the trashiest thing about them and then making fun of them for being trashy. Like that's easy to do. <laughs> you ask them to do that for you. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. You mentioned the dog in the freezer one. That was funny. Um, the, and you mentioned something kind of similar. There was somebody that uh, their whole, his whole family used uh, the same, same towel napkin. as a napkin. They're saying yeah, oh. dish towels and napkin. God, that's just foul. Uh, Someone <laughs> abandoning a car, said, abandoning yeah. a car at the mechanic when it's going to be too expensive to fix. <laughs> you just leave it there forever. That's good. That's a good one. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah. I, this again, was, I'm laughing. Once again, we're laughing at the things that people told them. We're not well, laughing sure. at anything they said. No, but I did. I laughed at a lot of the stuff they said about it. Um, yeah, because they were. It's not. I don't think it's as easy as you think it would be to stand up there on the stage in front of all those people and they give you something and say something really funny to make everybody laugh. I don't know. Um, and it's not like everything they said was really funny, but, it, you know, I, I think it's harder than, I don't know. Uh, I, I, I like comedy. It. I think comedy is harder than what they did. I think comedy is way harder than what they did. You mean the traditional stand-up comedy where you yes. write jokes and that kind of thing? I I'm not so sure about that because they had, they don't prepare for this. They don't they don't. Yeah, I mean they, my point they do is, it as a podcast. My point they, is they're asking people for the trashiest thing that these people can think of. Mm -hmm. That is the whole point of the joke. So it's hey. Here's something really weird that I do. Oh, that's easy to laugh at. You can just laugh at that. Or say, oh my gosh, you're trash. Yes, you are. And it's funny, blah, blah, blah. But it's, you're asking people to give you all of, almost all of it. It's 80% of it. See, I, I think of it as a funny premise. I think of that part of it as a funny I, it's premise. It's definitely a funny premise. I love that. It is, but I don't think it's comedy. I mean, stand-up comedy. It's comedy because it's funny as all get out. But when I think of stand-up comedy, I think of a totally this, different aspect. It was more of a it was more of a live podcast, I would say. And I didn't I didn't realize yeah. it was it was actually like that. I actually thought they it, stood up there and it was funny. It Don't get me wrong in any way, shape, or form. I mean, like <laughs> I love this idea of hey, let's talk about the trashiest stuff we can possibly find. My point is. I don't think, I think com, I think a stand-up comedy set is more difficult to do than what they did. So it's hard for me to grade it on that level. I'm not. Once again, here I am talking down about them. I'm not what they do. I would be in there laughing my face off at these things. Yeah. And I would probably have emailed a few things that I've done. <laughs> yeah. If I if I think about it, you know, hard enough or long enough. I'm sure I can come up with a bunch of stuff that, especially growing up, you know, your, your standards are a little bit lower, at least mine were, um, you know, even stuff that everybody, you know, drinking out of the hose, uh, like hot water out of the hose in the middle of the summer when you're just outside playing or whatever, you know, uh, um, we uh, actually, one that I did think of while we were doing that, we used to, so I don't know if you remember, I'm sure you do. We had this like aluminum awning over our back, back steps or whatever. And they had these, 
like the pillars were just like thin aluminum rails or whatever. And we, my mom would tie the hose, like squeeze the hose, tie a, like a rag or something around it to hold it closed. And then like hang it on like these little, they were supposed to be like little designs or whatever, aluminum designs or whatever in the thing and hang it up there. And then it's just like the hose spraying and we just run through the hose. Um, That's kind of a, I don't know. That's that's a little bit of, it's like a hillbilly sprinkler or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. It was like a decorative deal. It was like a decorative part that she hung it off of. I know. Yeah. Yeah. But just run, you know, running through the hose and, you know, doing something like that. Um, Anyway, you know, I gave it a 3.8. I, I laughed. It was something different. Maybe I just liked that. It was something a little bit different. Um, but I, I'm I'm excited to get back to regular stand-up comedy though this week. And speaking of that, sure. who uh, whose turn is it for these things? I'm I'm trying to remember. Did you um, do both last week? Am I supposed to do both? I think no. I think I maybe made a suggestion that you used for uh, was it the was it the SNL character stand-up or for the SNL? I think it was the SNL thing because I think it was the SNL. I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah, I think I had. Yeah, so I think I had comedy last week. So you have comedy this week, and then I have a. Uh, I have a Mount Rushmore. <clears throat> Do you have a Mount Rushmore by chance? I, you know, if you're talking about Mount Rushmores, really, you know, if you're talking Mount Rushmores, and if you're asking me if I have one, yeah. you know, I've got an answer for that. It's it, yeah. I've got a Mount Rush. I mean, what what I, what I don't have a Mount Rushmore. I mean, you're saying you're asking me if I don't have a Mount Rushmore. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> of course I have a, of course I have a Mount Rushmore. I mean, do you have a, like saying, do you have a comedy special on deck? I mean, are you, are you thinking about a comedy special or? Uh... I don't know, but I'm letting you do my riff right now. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, of course I, I mean, can't even believe you'd ask me if I have a. Mount Rushmore ready to go. I mean, have, come on, Mount Rushmore. It's in South so, Dakota, really. I mean, it's yeah, Mount Rushmore I mean, in South Dakota. It's pretty simple. Sure. If I were going to say something, I would just be like, you know what? South Dakota. <laughs> the Mount Rushmore of Dakotas is what we're going to do this week. No. There you go. Uh, <clears throat> I'm going back in time. Yeah. I do have one, by the way. I'm go going ahead. back in time. Have we done uh ari schaefer double negative ari shafir no we have not Shafir, schaefer whatever his name is it's from a few years back but this dude is pretty funny and i don't know that we've done any of his stand-up no i don't think we have and uh i really like him he he's funny he's very uh toe the line and eh, he doesn't toe the line he steps over it yep um sure very does. much anthony jesselnick type stepping over the line kind of stuff Mm-hmm. And it's pretty funny. Uh, it's from 2017. It's on Netflix. And it is called, what did I say? It was called Double Negative. <clears throat> Double Negative. Okay. Yep. He's a New York guy. He's friends with all of our favorite guys. Um, and he's he's friends with the, with the, you know, Burt Kreischers and all the LA guys too. Um who, who he dosed, as a matter of fact. He put drugs in his drink or whatever. 
Um, because he he steps he he, st- he oversteps like that. That's what I I he's he I've seen roofied, him be funny before. He roofied but someone. Yeah, he roofied his friend. Yeah. Um, and that's why I'm I'm like a little I'm so, I I don't think anybody's ever like been it. like that for me. But like I he's almost oversteps so much in real life. I feel like that I'm like okay easy um but anyway that's good that's good let's do that one um i think if i remember right i think i saw him when i was in new york in july um i'm pretty sure he was one of the guys that i saw okay good my the mount rushmore for next week is states mount rushmore of states you said south dakota you slime belly getter tonight Sure, that gave me the idea. Now, All right, four states, your top four states. Your top four states. Why not? I've already got them. I already know what they are. Is that okay? You oh, want to hear Kentucky. them? Kentucky, <laughs> oh, Kentucky, Indiana, West Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> not. <Nah. laughs> I don't know uh, that Ohio is. I don't know that Ohio will make my list. <laughs> <laughs> come on the Bengals are in the super bowl let me ask you that exactly right let me ask you that really quick so we can get going do you ever tell anybody you're from ohio when you're out of town i mean if somebody asks you oh yeah all the time i tell them all the time cincinnati ohio absolutely but do you I've say almost C- always got no i say cincinnati ohio do you always say cincinnati yeah i don't think i just say i'm from ohio i don't think okay. i've ever said i'm from ohio I feel like that's a, I feel like that's a Cincinnati thing, or it might be certain other cities. Maybe it's every big city or something, but yeah, I, hear, I think I've that's heard what a lot of people just say the state that they're from, even California. I'm from California. I'm from Connecticut. I'm from like a lot of people just say the state that they're from. I always say, Cincinnati. you know why, you know why mm-hmm. Delaware since or Ohio, um, Iowa, there, a lot of places just have stigmas of being crappy states, and Ohio is one of them. So, if you're going to say you're from Ohio, you're like, I'm Cleveland, or you either say Cleveland, Columbus, Toledo, well, Cincinnati. If you're from, if you're from Cleveland, you shouldn't say you're from Cleveland. <laughs> I'm just saying it's just better kidding. than saying you're from Ohio. <laughs> but, uh, no, it's it's a uh, no, I, I guess you're right. I don't know because you think of people say all the time, I'm from Indy, I'm from Indiana. Like, I don't know anybody that tells me where in Indiana they're from, but that's probably because outside of Indianapolis, is there anywhere else in Indiana? No. Um, just hills, right? Yeah. You either Gary, live on a farm or you live in Indianapolis. Gary, Indiana is uh, is where that's Michael suburb. Jackson and family it's a are from. Suburb, or that's a, that's a, not a suburb by any means, but that is a really, part, really crappy part of Chicago is what Gary, Indiana <laughs> Essentially, is. Essentially, yeah. It's a, it's a crappy part of Chicago. <laughs> East Chicago, Indiana is a. Is yes. Like, <laughs> that's what Gary, Indiana is. Gary, Indiana is a crappy part of Chicago. And Chicago's got a lot of crappy parts. So it's Southeast, like South Chicago, Southside, you know, get a little sketchy. Gary, Indiana is even more South and East. So it's. Yeah. Jim, Gaff- Jim Gaffigan is from that area. Yeah, that explains a lot. <laughs> oh you turkey i'm gonna just for that and i'm making you do it next week <laughs> uh, i've been waiting for it 
I almost watched it the other day just to get it over with. I, I watched like the first five minutes a couple like a week ago or something. And I was like, ah, no, nah, I'm gonna save it. I'm gonna save it. I was just gonna yeah. watch it by myself. But I've I've still got a long list, man. There's there are a bunch of them that have come out lately. So we good. Gotta, I'm glad you, know, you got them. We're 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 good. We're good for we're good on those for a while. But I love their Ari Shafir choice, by the way. I do love that. Okay. All right. That sounds good. We got Mount Rushmore states. We've got um, Ari Shafir double negative from a few years back. We had a great podcast with our man uh, Andre Edwards. The bank. When next time we talk to you, we will know if the Bengals won or lost the Super Bowl. Either way, the Bengals are in the Super Bowl. Before we get out of here, can I just say I found something today that I think you're going to be. I don't know if you've seen or not, but I just want you to look at this. Super king size pack of Reese's peanut butter cup. I've not seen this. I just this is yeah. the first time. Six pack of Reese's in the and, sheets down the street the, from the hotel. And the way that moved, I can tell there's none in there. <laughs> Eddie ate all of them. My I man ate them all. My man. <laughs> As you should. Absolutely. <laughs> it take me 30 seconds to eat all six of those things. I'm not going to lie to you. I also bought a two pack of the egg Reese's too. You have to, if they're, av- if they're available, if they're available, you have, you have to, to buy the eggs, Cannot. the eggs, the Cannot. pumpkins, the Christmas trees. You, you know what I really like that I haven't been able to find lately are the Reese's pieces in the king size cups or the Reese's pieces in those Reese's cup bars. I love the Reese's pieces in them. Can't find them anywhere. Really? They were really popular yeah. for a while, but yeah, they maybe, were. Yeah, maybe they're they had trouble the last week or two. But and even more so, I know I've told you about this on this podcast. I'm pretty sure they had for a brief time, a much more brief time, and they were much harder to find. Were cookies the the cookie ones? They had bits of cookie oh yeah, I remember you inside. talking about that. I, yeah, I I mean I, I I picked those up at like a Thornton's for three months or something like that, and then after that, I haven't seen them. You ate them all, and they were gone. That's a bummer, like man. That's a bummer. <laughs> <sighs> All right. Well, until the next time that we get to know, oh, my God, about the Bengals in the Super Bowl. I'm so excited. I can't even speak. <sighs> until then, don't forget to turn your headlights on.